0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. The Utah Jazz going to Minnesota and blow the Timberwolves out. Good win for the Jazz on the road. They're 2-0 on this four-game road trip. Donovan Mitchell was lights out shooting the ball. We'll get into that later in the hour. But I really love the flow of the game. Okay, didn't love the start. Quinn Snyder had to take out a timeout after two minutes because the Jazz were down 8-2, had two turnovers, gave up two transition layup dunks. Not good. But they came out of the timeout, snapped out of it, and only had like three turnovers in the next two and a half quarters. It was back and forth in the first half. The Jazz led by one. Their defense hadn't been good enough, but they were crushing it offensively. And they're up 60-59. to But And I've said this before, and I really believe it. Um, when this Jazz group is at its best, it reminds me of the Stockton Malone team and the way they approach a game. First half is jabs, to go with the boxing analogy, figure out what the other person, other team's going to do, how are they trying to get the shots, where are they trying to get them, how are they trying to defend you, where are they willing to concede because they can't take away everything. Figure out, see everything they're going to do, see their substitution patterns, figure it out, and then the third quarter, throw the knockout punch. And that Stockton Malone group, 97, 98, they did that all the time. And that's what the Jazz did to the Wolves. It was 60-59 at halftime. They figured everything out. They crushed the Wolves. They crushed them. That game was over midway through the fourth quarter. And because there's so many possessions left and because coaches are really careful, the subs didn't come in for a couple more minutes. But it was clear where this was going. That was 18 minutes of really good basketball from halftime until the middle of the fourth quarter. The Jazz just took Minnesota apart. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew where the shots were going to come. And they just crushed him. It was really well done. The only downside, and it actually makes the win more impressive, is that Hassan Whiteside didn't play. And Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gay, deep in the third quarter, had three and four fouls. And you're like, oh, these guys are getting foul trouble. You know What are they going to do? Well, they're going to make shots and they're going to get stops. That's what they're going to do. And so the Jazz win going away. Good win for the Jazz. Also, BYU in state, big lead over Utah State. Hold off the inevitable Aggie rally and win the game. So... There you go. With that one, uh, BYU gets the in-state win at home, as they so frequently do. All right, we'll have more coming up into what is trending, get to the day in sports. Right now, though, time to talk bowl games. Tyler Batty meeting with the media as BYU gears up for UAB and in the Independence Bowl.
1: Tyler, I wanted to ask you what it was like as a player over the last few days waiting to see if there might be a shot at a new Year six game and then ending up going to an independence and playing, you know, a good opponent, but you know, what kind of the, the status quo, what you were expecting, what was that like?
2: Uh, I think everyone knew, uh, really our chances on going to a new year's six, uh, pretty slim. And so, you know, always hopeful, but, uh, but excited to play in the independence bowl.
3: All right. Let's uh, take a question now from Mitch Harper and then Jay Drew. Yeah. Tyler, uh, what
4: will, uh, what do you hope to see that the defense, uh, do to Im- improve in this last opportunity this season?
2: Um, I would just, again, just, uh, some upset before is just making sure everyone's doing their job. Um, I'd love to see, see us be able to stop the the rushing game a little bit more, especially coming in, uh, to UAB, um, coming off USC, to be able to, to shut run game down and, um, and just clean things up overall, just continue to improve. Hey, Tyler, uh, UAB players are said they're stoked to play the number 13 team in the country. What will motivate BYU's players to face UAB? It's another chance to get to do what we love. Uh, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're playing football, you you have to love it um, a lot, <laughs> you know, to, to keep up with the grind. So, and so for us, it's another, it's another opportunity to go out on the field with, our teammates, with our brothers, um, go have fun and do
3: what we do. And okay, we'll have questions now from Dick Harmon and then Sean Walker.
0: Tyler uh, you've been through injuries before and you've had to play hurt and uh, banged up. I just wonder what the team, uh, what what your group is like right now on the defensive
1: line. Um, how you guys are approaching, you know, playing, coming off injuries,
0: and then get your take on Tyler Algier. He's kind of carried a big load this year. He's been banged up. He's been through a lot. Um, what have you noticed about him and in, in a bowl preparations
5: over the last 24 hours or last few days?
6: Yeah.
2: Um, start with our D line. Yeah. Uh, especially in the trenches, uh, you get banged up O line D line um, get banged up, but uh, I'm excited. We our dudes. Our dudes are pretty healthy. And so uh, it's been nice to have a little bit of time kind of heal up, get the body right. Um, as we start into the, into the bowl prep and, as for Tyler Algier, that guy, uh, man, he's a, he's a beast. Uh, he takes a lot of hits. He gets really banged up. I don't think I I, I don't think I could do it. Um, but but he carries the load extremely well uh, and just keeps going. Um, so so yeah, props to Tyler. And um, I think I think everyone overall on the team is just happy to have a little bit of time to to rest up and heal up as we get started um, into our bull prep.
7: Tyler, I don't know how much you've looked at UAB, probably not a whole lot kind of on tape and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to ask you to like break them down as a, as an offense or that, that whatnot, but I know you watch a lot of football uh, and UAB the last couple of years has been one of the kind of cooler stories in college football. They cut the program four years ago and then brought it back. Won a conference title a couple of seasons ago. I know you guys played a lot of CUSA teams um, last year as well. Have you guys kind of taken notice of sort of this UAB program and what, I guess their story has been for the last few years, because it is, it is really cool. And that, I mean, could be something to sort of motivate you guys playing against them.
2: No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, am not too familiar with with the history of of their program. Um, but we're just, again, we're excited to go out and play. Um, I think, I think UAB just like any other game we've played this season, um, you know, presents, presents a new game, new challenge, um, yeah, new opportunity to go out and, and play football, do what we love.
3: Okay, we'll take questions now from Daniel Brown and um, Jim Watson. Hey, Tyler, uh, Daniel Brown from KTBS Sports here in Shreveport. Uh, just wondering if you had any past familiarity with the Independence Bowl, maybe watched some games before, and uh, also with the city of Shreveport. How excited are you to uh, get down
8: to the state of Louisiana?
2: Absolutely. Uh, super excited. Um, to first off to be able to be bowl eligible has been great and then uh, to be able to come down and, and play in, in Louisiana and Shreveport uh, great opportunity I'm super excited to, to get down there and, and enjoy it um, before before we play our game uh, Jim go
5: ahead turnovers has been key for you guys this year uh, how have uh, the, the defensive line played into uh, the guys getting so many turnovers
2: um, uh, our guys have our guys on the D line have busted their butt. That's, that's for sure. Um, we've done, uh, everything that we can, that we have been able to, to, uh, yeah, get, get pressure on quarterbacks, stop the run, um, force fumbles. And so I think uh, our guys up front, yeah, uh, definitely, um, deserve a little bit of praise for, for how hard they've worked and, and their effort this season and, um, helping uh, uh, get those turnovers.
3: Okay, let's uh, have questions now from Jared Lloyd and then Alex.
5: Heading into the last game of the season, Tyler, kind of a
1: chance to get a little bit of this break before you get ready for that one. What do you feel like you've learned from this year as you kind of think of it as a whole kind of big picture?
2: Great question. I think overall this year I've, I've been impressed uh, by our team just resiliency and guys being prepared. And I think um, the biggest thing I've learned is uh, again, just to to trust the guys next to you. I think that's something that we've all learned uh, cohesively as a unit um, is just to trust each other. And we've just built that trust throughout the season. Um, It's been a great year. Uh, And I think I think it's also taught us that uh, we can we can roll. We can we we can be 10 and 2, 11 and 1. We can Be 12 and zero. um, I think just the experiences this year, uh, have brought a lot of momentum and a lot of excitement to the program. Hi, Tyler. Um, coach was saying that other than playing football, one of the things he's really excited about is, uh, you know, eating some, some good food over in Louisiana. Uh, I'm curious, um, kind of, as you've known him, what has been kind of like your, um, not experience, but like, how have you sort of seen him experience like different types of food on different road trips and things like that? And also, how much is the team excited to to get some some good food out there? And how much do you guys care
6: about that stuff when you travel?
2: No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think I can speak for for the majority of the players on our team. Uh, we'll more or less eat whatever, whatever you put in front of us. Yeah, we'll we'll take a bite of. Um, Good food on on the road. You know, at home, we're, we're treated really well. Um, but on the road, uh, having good food is, is always great. So I think everyone's excited to get down there and, and try some new stuff. And for guys that are, you know, from the South, um, go home and uh, go back to the South and, and enjoy some favorites. So I think everyone overall is definitely excited uh, for a little bit taste of the South.
0: There is Tyler Batty. When we come back, we're talking Utes with Christian Cox. Stay with us. It is time now to welcome in Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman. He joins us right now on the SmartRain Guest Line. SmartRain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property water costs or call 877-346-3333. Christian, good morning.
9: Good morning, gentlemen. I told Jake this. What do I owe the honor to speak to the original Godfathers here? So, <laughs> it's been
0: a question, yeah, for sure. Two words: Rose Bowl.
9: Listen, I can't. I think everybody, as we started the season, there's no way we believed that they could turn it around. I think it sums up who Kyle Whittingham is uh, with those two words. Um, obviously dealing with tragic deaths and two deaths and basically a calendar year coming up on Ty Jordan's, uh, you know, Christmas day, uh, tragic accident. Um, it just kind of embodies what the university of Utah is and has been for the last 20 years, starting with, you know, Ron McBride. But I, I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and just talk through, you know, what's in the present, but people forget very quickly what 2012, 2013, what 2014 seasons were like and how Utah fans were kind of unhappy with the progress. But Kyle has not only led Utah through the Mountain West to the top, uh, defeated Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, uh, to transitioning into the Pac-12 to becoming the best team in the Pac-12. And not only being the best team in the Pac-12, but defeating a top 10 team like Oregon twice in basically two weeks outscoring him 76 to 17 just shows that the program is uh, built correctly where you have all these other schools across the country that are just trying to swap out people and what comes to my mind is and people don't remember this in 2010 I think it was my senior year the the summer before Tennessee was coming at him very very hot and Kyle declined it which is pretty crazy to think that he would decline an SEC offer in Tennessee and He's a man of loyalty and production and uh, couldn't be happier for all of the people up there. Sharif, Morgan Scaly, Lewis Powell, Sioni but the players are who made it happen. And uh, the program is just churning out the same types of, types of players, personas. They're just more athletic, but they all have that same level of grit, determination, and unprovenness that like a Devin Lloyd who was a one or a two star is now the Pac-12 player of the year and it's probably be a top 10 draft pick. So there really is a recipe that works up there. Um, I know the secret sauce. You guys know the secret sauce. It's the same secret sauce that Bill Belichick runs in New England as well. It's, it's pretty incredible to see what, what a, a quality program and if it's run co- correctly and has the right type of leadership and people, they want to progress. And so Utah's given folks that opportunity to progress up through their program.
10: All right, Christian. We've been doing this radio show for 20 years. And this is the first. And I've known you for a long time. After that whatever you would call it, mission statement of the football program, I literally have no questions for you because you started at A and you covered every single thing that makes this program what it is right down to Z. That might have been right there the best statement of any guest we've ever had defining why a program is successful and what a program is. I mean, I literally don't know where to go now because you just covered everything that needed to be covered. No joke. I am dead serious here. You checked off all the boxes as to why this University of Utah football program is in the position it is, and you did it in one statement. I'm done here.
9: Hey. Any way, any way to make your job
10: answer, D.J., I'm here to help. I mean, you literally covered everything about the only thing that I could throw at you. And that was a phenomenal statement. I am I am dead serious, and D.J. will vouch for me. I'm dead serious because— He you, is serious, but I still <laughs> got questions. I, the one thing that okay. came to my mind was, okay, you had an experience with Belichick, and you sort of just put Belichick in there, and you didn't randomly put him in there because you were with him for a a a period of time so what I would ask you then to compare and contrast these two marvelous football coaches and when you're a football coach it's not just uh, coaching on a Saturday it is literally running a program 365 days a year one at the professional level one at the high level of college so what do you see in those two that is common and are there any differences that you see
9: yeah, I, I get this question a lot, actually. When it comes to Bill and Kyle, there's also a third person I throw in there. Just just my coaching tree, right? I, I've had the privilege of playing under some amazing coaches. I played under a guy named Larry Wall at, at uh, Valleville High School. The stadium's named after him. Uh, he produced products like Cam Jensen, Mike Wright, Brady Christensen. Uh, lots of quality players. Aaron Roderick ironically played for him. Uh, but when you talk about Kyle and Bill and Larry wall, all three of them have similarities and the similarities are this. They are probably the most three consistent humans I've ever seen. When you talk about being on time, doing things the right way. And these are like abstract, you know, things that are off course. These are the simple tiny things that separate the consistent winning programs versus the the programs that don't win or your Miami dolphins or whatever it may be. But, Bill Belichick was the most consistent coach. Uh, Kyle is the most consistent coach. And they demand uh, consistency and perfection from not only their players, but their coaches. And somehow they have a knack for looking at someone who's uh, balanced in their talent. Like Coach Belichick would say, hey, the value you can add to the team is being multidimensional. And the example of that was in 2011 when I was there, I was hurt. I was on IR. I broke my neck. Uh, but Julian Edelman was backing up a guy named Watts Welker. Uh, Julian Edelman wasn't even playing. He was he was taking putt returns and playing backup corner through the middle of that year. He had to play corner. He had to play, he had to get some time. And if they weren't developing, you know, seventh round draft pick, undrafted free agents to be ready to play, you wouldn't get the opportunity like Julian Edelman did to, to be such a star. And he was. He, Honestly, going one-on-one against Julian Edelman versus Wes Welker trying to tackle, like, Edelman was so nifty in space. He was, like, impossible to tackle. He knew he was the better guy, but he was he was paying his dues in his time. And Kyle's done the same thing, and same with Morgan Scali and Shreve Shaw. They have an eye for talent and putting guys behind him to progress. Like, Cody Barton was the starting linebacker, so was Chase Hansen, But they saw something in Devin Lloyd a lot of years ago. But let's not take credit away from Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is the one who showed up to practice every single day, did extra work, did the 6 a.m. workouts, and progressed year after year after year. And what it says to me, the fact that all those seniors wanted to return, like Nick Ford, Devin Lloyd, and the bunch of the rest of the crew, shows how how good they were with the leadership. And they wanted something to prove. And we're in a day of, of uh, personal gratification and taking the easy way out. It would have been easy for him to take a – be a third round draft pick and go make a couple million bucks. But you saw the greater vision. And when it got hard, I think this is what's so neat about this team. Uh, it was obviously very emotional the first four games of the season, but they had every, they had every excuse to phone it in the season. They weren't where they wanted to be. Uh, They're giving up a lot of sacks. Charlie Brewer was a flop. They couldn't run the ball with him. He was a thrower and he was getting sacked all the time. But this team, instead of running from their problems, they leaned into them and solved them and, and it binded them together. I think that's one of the neatest stories about this year and I compare it also back to the days of the Sugar Bowl in 2009, which feels like forever ago. That's 13 years ago or I guess, yeah, 12 years ago. Uh, they all have that same common leadership thread and you can hear it in Kyle's voice, how much it means to him. In life, and succeeding, you have to have a greater purpose. You have to have a reason why you're doing things and this team found what their reason was. It was for those two, their two teammates, but incredible what they did this year.
0: So, Christian, one of my questions for you was the defensive line got pushed around multiple times in multiple games, most noticeably against BYU and Oregon State, but there were other times in other games where they were given ground, too. Why were they able to turn that around? How did they turn that around? Kyle was talking about some of the guys are freshmen. They just aren't big enough yet. So it wasn't something that I thought was going to be turned around this season, and yet they seem to have fixed it.
9: Yeah, that's Lewis Powell. That's Sioni Puha, That's Coach It's Morgan Scally. It's You know, Van Fillinger, he's young. He started to settle in. Tennessee Poutoutau off the bench was really stepped up. Uh, obviously, Tafuna, he had a massive fumble recovery in that Oregon State game. And then Mika Tafua really blossomed. Uh, we wonder where he was the first few games. But just as a defender, and you guys know this, it is really hard to play defense when your offense isn't moving the ball or being complimentary at all. They weren't scoring. They weren't uh, getting third-down completions. And so, especially against BYU, San Diego State, they were kind of stuck out there. And uh, it's hard to play ball that way. And uh, really, the the I'd say the, the key that unlocked the door was Obviously, the thing that everyone knows is swapping in Cam Rising, plugging in some actual passion energy. And the team believed him. If they, if they voted him team captain, you know what that says? They saw him every day in, in camp. They saw him every day in practice. They saw what he did in, in, in workouts. And so once they put him in, and, and obviously the fumble issues got you know went away, Savion Thomas has had a heck of a year. The offense became one of the strongest offenses in Utah history, and that's saying a lot. Uh, in a short eight weeks. Uh, they are, they found their identity. It was very clear. They were going to run the ball, be physical, and these three tight ends uh, were unreal. Grant Keefe, uh, K- Kincaid, and Fotheringham, they all were balanced. They all played their own role. They're all different. And then that also opened up uh, the receiving core. Obviously, Ennis and Britton Covey, uh, but uh, Vele really bursts onto the scene, and uh That's really what, and again, that's a roundabout answer. A better offense is what energized the defense, and the defensive line uh, settled in, played with more technique, and he got better production off the edge, and they started blitzing Devin Lloyd quite a bit
6: on that right end.
10: Do you think we finally, I don't know if it's out there, but for some it might be, but we finally put the uh, thought of Kyle Whittingham being an underrated coach to bed?
9: I I don't know what else more you want. <laughs> I I I I just go back to I I just I, it's crystallized in my mind. I I just got back playing in the NFL. I was injured trying to get back in the league. I was covering uh, Utah games pre and post with Hans Olson, and yeah. I remember the rumblings of people saying that Kyle wasn't good enough. And I I was just like, are are you guys insane? And there was the the weirdness of a potential swap out and, and Dr. Hill just, I think Dr. Hill valued him the way he should have. And the one thing you'll get in Kyle. And it's one of those things that uh, once you earn his respect, uh, you're in, you're in the house with him. And it it takes a lot to earn Kyle's respect. You guys know this. Yeah. And uh, it takes consistency, effort, commitment, work ethic, no other way you don't get it through talking you get it through deliverable and results and uh kyle like bill belichick is the one of the most consistent demanding of perfection in the right ways of a coach and that's what you want from a head coach and all of these players just you embody that you embody your 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 leader you embody the captain at the top and uh I, I don't know what more you want he, he could he go to the NFL and coach yes uh, does he want to do that did he want to do that probably but at this point he's a legend like he's he is uh he's stadium worthy in my opinion um he's you know growing up locally in the valley right you looked at a Lovell Edwards now I have perspective he did that for you know decades Kyle's done it for almost two decades now yep and uh, if he wins the Rose Bowl, he's 3-0 and in, in BCS, or I guess New Year's Six championships, and has built a phenomenal program. I just I echo this to Utah fans. Look at what happened to Tennessee once Philip Fulmer left. Yep. Like, do you want to be Tennessee football? Uh, so it's just one of those moments you, you soak it in and you look at a high-powered school like Oregon. Well, now what are you going to do? You have to replace another coach, your third coach, in basically five years. Um, where you've had consistency with Kyle Whittingham, so um, I think this is a, a, the perfect step in the right direction. Uh, would I would I want him to stay for the next five years? Selfishly, yes. Do I want to see Utah in a college football playoff? Absolutely. Who doesn't? Uh, but we've just got to be grateful for what we have, and this has been a very special season, and it's going to be a really historic matchup against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and. That's what you grow up watching and you got it. So I don't I don't know more we could ask for as
6: fans.
0: So when I want to ask you about that matchup with Ohio State. We've all seen them just torch teams. We know why they're favored. We know how many years they've been good for. If you watch their games this year, they've got three awesome receivers. So we all know how the Utes could lose this game. We can all see the scenario where they get beat. But the two times Ohio State has lost this year, they give up two hundred and sixty nine yards rushing to Oregon, and they gave up 297 yards rushing to Michigan. Can Utah just line up, be the bully, push them around, run for a huge number, score a bunch of points, and keep that offense out of rhythm over on the other sideline and win the game?
9: You're getting me drooling over here, uh, DJ. That would that, be my exact argument. As you look at the full body of work, it's hard to compare the second game of the season because you're still figuring yourself out. Like Even if Utah lined up against san diego state again or byu would it be a different game yeah you don't get to live in the past but there is something to be said with the physical nature of pushing a spread offense around and candidly you know why we predicted a a victory against oregon was utah is not only just physical we've just been more physical in the past utah has more athleticism and speed now and their schemes are very very strong they're very very balanced and uh It'll be a really good matchup. It'll be very interesting. Uh, you know, if, if Utah can come out and play the style that they've played all year, I, I see it being a very tight matchup with an edge towards Utah. I, I just don't think Ohio State is, has played um, someone as physical as Utah, save possibly Michigan. But I don't know if the speed of – I think I would favor the speed of Utah a bit over Michigan. Michigan's a classic, just Big Ten uh, physical team and has, you know, great running backs as well. So I think the the blueprints in front of you with, with both of those victories and Oregon back then they had, they had Verdell who ran like crazy and had some big runs in that game. So I would, I would give the edge to Utah um, again, being biased, of course.
10: Yeah. Well, Christian, on behalf of the station and particularly our show, I want to apologize for not having you on more often because This, in my 20 years, I could easily rank this as a top five interview of all time.
9: What? P.J., what? Are you just making my day? Are you just (laughs) in the Christmas spirit? I'm used to some song of some sort, but like, wow, thanks, P.J. No,
10: no. I base it on results, just like Whittingham and Belichick, and the result of this interview, and the answers that you gave, and the in-depth answers, long answers without rambling, That is a skill. I mean I was listening. I did not tune out DJ who has no attention span was not looking up some mindless stupid stat on the internet like he often does and repeats my questions because he doesn't pay attention. He didn't even do that. We were to- we were shiny thing. We were totally locked in to every freaking word you said because you were on point. It was and I'm not blowing smoke here, Christian. This was
0: absolutely incredible.
9: Well, thanks, PK. You guys have me on anytime. Honestly,
0: I didn't bring up having you on to Jake because you—I thought you were Gordon's guy for a long time, and uh, now I, you're available. I'm all, I'm Expect all available. Expect
9: a phone call. I'm Hans's <laughs> guy. I'm Scotty's guy. I'm everybody's guy. All so right, there he is. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we appreciate it, Christian. Thanks for coming on.
9: Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas.
0: There's the former Ute Christian Cox. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show next. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz blow out the Minnesota Timberwolves. One-point game at halftime, and then the Jazz go to work. And in the next 18 minutes, they played great basketball, and they blew the Wolves off the court. It was a really, really impressive third quarter and start of the fourth quarter. And then the subs came in and finished off the game. And the Jazz... Move on two and zero now on this four game road trip. They're back to back. They'll be back at it again tonight. Let's get to the best of the Jazz post game show.
11: It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and twelve eighty the Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz got a big time second half and they end up blowing out the Minnesota Timberwolves one thirty six to one hundred four behind thirty six points from Donovan Mitchell. He also had five boards and a couple of assists on fourteen of twenty three shooting five of twelve. From three, Bogdanovich had 21. Clarkson had 18 coming in off the bench. Rudy with a double double, 13 points, 10 boards, added a block shot as well. Let's get some post game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder.
3: Personnel question: um, played so many minutes tonight? In football, or is that something that's still the no, That wasn't the reason that he played less minutes. Um, we had a lot of guys that substitution patterns tonight were a little different um, when Rudy got in foul trouble in particular. And then we had a couple times where there were a couple groups, um, a couple lineups that were playing really well and we, you know, we stretched them. So, um, those are separate issues. You referred to this kind of group his fourth foul very early in the third quarter. What did you see out of that group? Because obviously you guys were rich that time. Yeah, I think, you know, Boyan just did a terrific job just working and making everything hard. And, you know, Rudy Gay, forget he's 6'10", you know, so he has a presence, uh, particularly on the glass. But I I thought our, you know, it was Joe and and JC and those guys getting in there. Don, Mike, just mixing it up on the glass and coming up with kind of loose ball-type rebounds and – we took advantage of, you know, some of our shooting and transition during that time too. You know, we got good looks and and we shot him with confidence.
6: Um, Scored 30 in the four straight games. Now, what have you liked about his games recently and kind of what's it working for?
3: Well, I think he's, you know, he's had a good mix um, where, you know, he's he's spacing well off the ball. So he's getting more catch and shoot threes, um, you know, and then he's been getting to the rim you know, he's been rejecting and pick and roll. And, um, you know, when he can get to the rim like that, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So um, I think he's been defending too, which is, you know, as much as anything is something that I know, you know, when you're scoring like that, you can, you know, you can impact the game that way. But being able to impact it on both ends is something that, you know, that we've talked about a lot. And I know he's taken a lot of pride in. What did you like defensively, specifically
6: in the second half where they scored?
3: You know, I, I, think the way the game started, you know, I think, you know, for instance, Patrick Beverly, I mean, he, he can make that floater. Um, and he always plays well against us. Um, you know, but there were there were some shots. A Kogi hit a couple. Um, they made some shots early, and sometimes when teams are making shots, it can can be discouraging. Um, and I, I thought we we hung in there with what we were trying to do from a game plan standpoint. And you know, over time, you know, hopefully, what you're doing, um, you know, can can make it harder on a team, and, and those percentages can change. Um, when
6: you looked at a couple of points in the game and hey, you guys know I needed the the minutes that Cap was on the bench and you know, um, you, know you guys were able to to stressfully were really on the bench
3: in you know, the How important were those those couple of junctures for you guys? Well, I think more than you know who they had in the game at any point in time. Um you know, our guys are getting used to playing with one another. I thought our communication defensively, there were some things going on there that, you know, our guys were making happen. And as I said, the, the the biggest thing is, you know, when we force a miss to be able to collect those rebounds, and particularly when we're smaller, getting our guards really involved in the boards. When we do that, you know, that fuels transition. And, um, you know, we can go on some spurts and go on some runs, and that, that, that can happen on
6: you know, physically against Cal Royce also has become
3: what enables what, what's kind of the key for guys were the smaller physically than Calic to be able to kind of keep him the at you just have to work you know you have to work when he's in pick and roll you have to be up because and you have to be conscious of him in transition it's just you know as much as anything mentally you have to be um, really committed to what you're doing and then you have to have confidence in the guys behind you, you know, because he's, you know, he's going to get, he's that talented offensively. So you can't get frustrated at any one play. And you know, I thought the the thing that Boyan was able to do is, you know, he really dug in defensively, but then, you know, on the other end, he was running the court, you know, and making people guard him.
11: There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team won 136 to 104. Let's now move on and hear from some of the players. Let's start things off with Royce O'Neal.
12: What's kind of the experience like analysis for you? What kind of team for like, starting and Dallas? Uh, just make things tough for them. I mean, you know, we had a game plan that, you know, we were sticking to. Uh, you know, guys getting foul trouble. So, uh, you know, next guy got to step up. And I think just the team effort and then just making the shots tough, boxing them out, and then converting them on the other end. How do you think uh, just take away, you know, what he wants to do, um, you know, make things tough for him, double team, you know, uh, make him kick the ball out, you know, don't let him get the ball in the post, little stuff like that. Are when you're
6: guarding versus guarding a guy like in the post?
12: I mean, not really, I mean, both ways, you know, I got to talk, you know, be vocal, uh, you know, help guys out, and everybody's communicating with each other. So, I mean, you know, it's little stuff like that that adds up. What's kind of the uh, –
6: obviously, Minnesota was shooting the ball in the first half and not really seeing the second. What well, was kind of the- uh, I mean,
12: you know, just, you know, being more alertive on defense, uh, you know, taking away those shots. I mean, it made some tough shots. Uh, and I think, you know, us just, you know, finding matchups, making things tough for them, you know, closeouts, and then, you know, just Rudy and other Rudy, you know, protecting the basket. So. How
6: important was it for you guys to um, extend the lead when Rudy got that fourth foul and, you know, guys were able to, to add on to the
12: uh, really important to me, you know, uh, we played a little five out, uh, you know, ran more, you know, we knew that was going to be like our best offense and defense. Uh, you know, we had to gain rebound, you know, as a team and then, you know, box out. has said before that he likes guarding guys that are
6: in the <laughs> Do you have a preference for because Is there something
12: where you're like, oh, okay, this is something that I enjoy doing? Nah, I don't really care. I don't really care about, about smaller, bigger don't matter. Just take the challenge. What
6: conversation did you have about rebounding?
12: Uh, we knew it was going to be a team effort. Uh, you know, we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, we had to, you know, do more focus on defense and uh, then, you know, that led to fast breaks, you know, easier offense for us, you know, playing in transition one. Good seven
6: assists now. What was for you in terms of Uh Making the right pass. <laughs> And so, I guess what was – I guess what was working a the whole like, oh, yeah,
12: – I think just the spacing, uh, you know, giving guys a lane to drive, uh, getting in the paint, finding guys open for threes. Uh, you know, we, just, we knew they were going to collapse, so we just had to find open guy no matter what. Friendly, but, like, yeah, it's not just the Timberwolves. There's a
6: lot to do, too. Like, D-Lo wasn't playing, and you had a couple of the other guys that were on the bench that were, like, standing around the corner on that – on that left side? Yeah. When you guys are down there that close to
12: that corner, does it keep you from, like, running down deep in that corner? Nah, I don't even worry about it, think about it. Uh, you know, we get to the corner space, you know, that's what we do. Do you talk
6: to you more from there in that corner? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, all the time, so. talk about sports, straight games. Are you guys you still in the capacity to be like?
12: I mean, I'm used to it, but, uh, I mean, still some of the things he do, you know, still made some of the plays he makes, uh, you know, he's a special talent, you know, I think he's only going to keep getting better and he wants his team to get better and, you know, he looks out for his teammates and he's trying to do whatever he has to do to win, so.
11: There's Royce O'Neal. Royce, what a what a stat line for him. Nine points, but he was perfect shooting. Three of three, two of two from three. He had six boards, seven assists, three steals, and a block. Absolutely filling up the box score last night for Royce O'Neal. Let's now hear from uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. What's going
6: on like for you guys? Like for the street?
11: I mean,
5: our our defense was uh, was pretty, pretty solid tonight. We had a lot of... A lot of easy, easy shots, especially in a second half, in the third quarter, in the beginning of the of the fourth. So I think that that's that's the biggest biggest difference. And uh, I mean, we had thirteen turnovers as well, but a couple of them were right in the beginning of the game. So I think that we really took good care of the of the ball as well. Was
6: it like that third quarter when Rudy picked up his fourth foul early? And- you
5: have to spend a fair of time I mean, I was just trying to to make him like work and, and then tough to to even catch the ball and, and do my work early. But uh, I mean, that kind of kind of hurt us. But our our second group was uh, was phenomenal tonight. JC had a had a great game. Joe was was moving the ball, so I think that that really our second second group give us give us a lie, especially especially in the beginning of the second quarter. I mean he's just just being aggressive. He saw a couple of shots going in and now he's he's full of confidence. We we know how good he is, so I mean this is who he is. I mean he's he's been playing on a on a high level for for whole year. So
6: you say you're kind of just make that work. Like, what did that
5: actually say? Pushing further out, or- pushing further out, and then fight fight with him for a position. I pick up couple couple fouls fouls as well. Fighting, fighting to kind of to kind of play in front of him. Don't allow him to get a ball because we all know how how good he is. And when, when he when he catch the ball on, a, on on a block, but it was great great team effort and. Then I had really great help my teammates. Whenever he catched the ball, so he was he was trying to to involve his teammates as well. What
6: was your best defensive effort I've seen you play out here so far? How did you take on that responsibility knowing
5: you were going to have that matchup a lot? Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to give my effort every every single game. Maybe tonight looked looked different, but at the end he finished with 22 points. So really. Seven of eleven, so he, he had a, he had a good game, but like I said, I had a great help, on, especially from from Rudy from weak side. Whenever he tried he tried to, to post me up, but great effort all over. Like we had a multiple guys with a double double figures. We, we had a twenty five three, so that's that means that we moved the ball pretty well.
6: You mentioned that you mentioned
5: last season I think that you like playing defense against guys that are bigger than you why is that I mean I like <laughs> it's it's kind of different just tough to explain but uh, but uh, whenever I guarding those guys that they are their first the second option I got I got a really good help from from my teammates I know that, that Rudy is gonna Rudys gonna be there in particular so that's what it is and and, and then I'm more more focused defensively as well.
11: There's Boyan Bogdanovich, 21 points, five boards for him, and uh, you heard him talk about playing defense on Carl Anthony Towns, where uh, they decided to go that direction a little bit and uh, thought that they were uh, pretty effective with it, particular Boyan. Let's now wrap things up with the players by hearing from Donovan Mitchell.
4: I'm not going to lie. I forgot what he said. Let's <laughs> be honest with you, I was so like... All right, like let's let's fix it. You know, what I mean, I think we all were. I think we were at a point where it's like I said this to Holly after the game. I said, you know, we're at a point now where mistakes are going to happen, but we don't continue to make the same mistake. Or we bounce back from it. That's that's really what a good team is. You know, and the team we want to be is, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have screw ups. We're gonna have situations where
6: <laughs>
4: situations where you know things don't go our way, or we make stupid mistakes. But it's how do we respond? How do we, you know? you know, react when that happens, body language, you know, energy, focus, all that. And I think we responded the right way. And I think that's one thing that we can look at and say, okay, especially to start the game, you know, two silly turnovers. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we responded. We came out, we guarded, we got stops, we made shots. Um, so I think I'm thankful for those two turnovers because, it really like, like I said, it really shows the growth we've had as a group because that can go the other way real quick, especially to start a game. So we, we, we really took our level to a – to a different level after that, Uh but yeah, we were all locked in at that point. Speaking of energy
6: sort of mm-hmm. level, was there any sort of motivation that was <laughs> different for you tonight? Because you kind of came out. I
4: mean, we got swept, you know, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's no secret, you know, they they swept us and, you know, they're they're a good team, you know, I, I got to give them credit because they have a lot of guys that can go get it. guard, they're athletic, they're physical, so just trying to take what take what was given, but also just be in attack mode, you know, and I think we all kind of felt that we all were like, you know, at the end of the day, when getting swept is not fun, you know, it's not something that we have a lot of pride on this team and we, we took that personal uh, but you know when we play them again it's going to be the same energy we got on both ends they're going to come out we're going to come out we got to be ready to go but you know tonight we did a lot of good things you know Um we just got to continue to look at the film and get better because we got another good team coming up tomorrow Rudy gets his fourth foul in
6: the first minute and a half of the third quarter and all of a sudden we're seeing Royce and Boyan uh, have the you know responsibility of the mm-hmm. trying to keep him in. What
4: did you see out of those guys? Battling. You know, that's really all you can say. It's it's something that I, we have never really, in my five years, we haven't had a situation where we have five smalls, you know, and where we have to, uh, against a team that three seven-footers, yesterday or last game. And then you got a team that crashes the boards, literally every possession and they're athletic, you know, so it took a team effort, but for those two specifically, and Boyan <clears throat> guarding cat, being down there, doing those different things and keeping them, you know, <clears throat> I, I would say he had an off night, but he had 22 and seven. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, making it tough. That was, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, just continuing to battle, continue to fight. And as a group we gang rebounded, and we were able to push and, and transition and get our looks, but credit to those guys taking the, taking the matchup and, and being ready to go feel driving right now um said it to you guys before i think the pace is different you know how i'm getting there um i think before it was a lot of erratic you know different things and i wouldn't even call it erratic just like simple things that i can really fix and just kind of feel in the game a little bit you know and i think now it's is a point where i'm just kind of slowing down taking what's given um and really going from there um yeah you play in the two
6: two more times this month are you aware of that I
4: didn't know that uh oh yeah we do um 23rd 20, yeah right before the christmas game yeah and then the 30th right no, 30th is like first so like i said you know they're going to be fired up just like we were and it's going to be a, it's going to be really good next two games are really good you know and we just got to be ready for it to have the same energy we had tonight same focus same same intensity but you know this was a good win for us um I told you all this is a road trip. I think we're all trying to see where we're at and continue to build. And we got a big one tomorrow. We got a you got Jordan B tomorrow. You know, we got Seth Curry, we got all them guys. So we gotta be ready uh to to
11: game plan that and, and get out and do what we do. That is Donovan Mitchell, thirty-six points, twelve or excuse me, fourteen of twenty-three shooting. 5 of 12 from 3, also added 5 boards and a couple of assists. Jazz win, 136-1 over 4 over the Timberwolves. Up next, the Jazz take on Philadelphia tonight in Philly. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.
0: Here's the best of the Jazz post-game show. What is trending? The headlines Next.
4: Prince guarding Donovan into the teeth of defense. Wow, left hand drive, jab left, big step right to the rack, lay it up and in. Bogdanovich, right corner, three over downs is good. Clarkson walks into a three hits and the Jazz are back up by 13, just like that. And we've got a chance, 55 seconds left for our 103 of the game. There it is, there it is. it's good. Jared Butler makes the 103 in this game.
0: The Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was close for a half, and then the Jazz blew the Wolves out. Ended up with 101 three-pointers in the game. More importantly, the Jazz ended up with 136 points. 136-104 PK from halftime to the middle of the fourth quarter. That was a clinic.
10: Oh, yeah, yeah. They're rolling offensively This is what we thought they would be able to do,
0: and this is what they're doing. Jazz become the first NBA team to make 20 or more three-pointers in three straight games. Donovan Mitchell leads the way with 36 points. Rudy Gobert got in foul trouble, and that was not a big issue for the Jazz. Small ball lineup had a problem for a minute, but then they fixed it, and the Jazz just kept rolling. Win the third quarter by 13 points, the fourth quarter by 18 points, and just pull away and have all the subs in there for the last four minutes. Couldn't be better. Jazz are back at it tonight in Philadelphia. And some of these guys will be pretty fresh. Conley only played 24 minutes. See if they let him go back-to-back. A lot of times he doesn't, so we'll see if that happens. Philly is also going back-to-back. They beat Charlotte 110-106 on the road. Tip-off tonight, 5 o'clock, pregame at 4 o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network.
1: Hashtag NBA.
0: Golden State Warriors keep it rolling. They beat the Portland Trailblazers 104-94. The Warriors with the best record in the NBA. They're going back and forth with the Suns. Right now they're half game up on the Suns after that win. Steph Curry made six pointers in the win, so he needs nine to get Ray Allen's all-time record. Just a matter of time before that thing falls. Most made three pointers in an NBA career. The Rockets beat the Nets 114 to 104. Brooklyn, the best in the East, falling to the Rockets, who have now won seven straight games. After a one and sixteen start, it's a remarkable turnaround, PK. <laughs> you mean sarcastic? A little bit. Okay. But I mean it is remarkable. I mean they shouldn't have been one and sixteen in the first place, but seven straight and a win over the Nets, that's good. Luka Doncic went for 26. The Mavericks beat the Grizzlies 104-96. Dylan Brooks got hot after the game, screaming at the refs. Hot in the post game, supposed to get hot during the game. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, 39 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. A massive game for him. The Nuggets have really been struggling. Beat New Orleans 120 to 114. And the Cavs who gave the Jazz a really good game. Picked up another win. They beat the Chicago Bulls. Blew them out, 115-92. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag college basketball.
0: 24th-ranked BYU improves to 8-1 on the year. They open up a 20-point lead over Utah State. The Aggies rallied, got to single digits, but no closer. And BYU ends up winning 82-71. Alex Marcella leads the way with 17 points in that one. Justin Bean had 20 and 7 for the Aggies, but not enough. The uh BYU got a roll in there in the first half and opened up a pretty good lead.
10: Yeah, the Aggies struggled shooting, couldn't even make free throws. And Barcelo is gonna set the record like a uh, as a transfer student, seven years for BYU. He played for two years for the U of A. Yep. Six years in high school. Probably.
0: <laughs> like he's been around forever. He's a good player. TCU beat Utah 76-62. Ute shot 29% from the floor in that loss. Utes fall to 6-3 on the year. Weber State went to Washington State and got crushed 94-60. to Washington State up double digits at halftime. 11-point lead, and then they just blew that thing wide open in the second half, and they win by 34. That's the Wildcats' first loss of the year. And you lied to me. You said that was on the Pac-12 network. Ah, it was on a Pac-12 Washington uh, only, the way they divvied up regional regionally. networks. Yeah, that sucked. SUU won the in-state game, beating UVU 60-56. The Thunderbirds have won five in a row, just lost number two for UVU. They're 7-2. SUU improves to 6-3. and three. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag NFL.
0: Thursday night football, Steelers and Vikings. The Steelers hanging around the edge of the wild card race on the outside looking in right now, but only a half game out. Steelers six and five at that one tie with Detroit and the Minnesota Vikings five and seven, which in the NFC doesn't leave you that far away from wild card either. Packers are going to play the Bears this weekend. They've got a Sunday night game. And Aaron Rodgers saying he does not regret telling Bears fans, I still own you after the TD run in the first first matchup this year. I don't regret it at all. DJ and
1: PK. Hashtag college football.
0: As expected, wide receiver Drake London, USC star, announced he'll skip his senior season. He's going to the NFL draft. Broke his ankle in the Trojans' eighth game, but he'll rehab that and get ready for the NFL. Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott is the reportedly the top candidate to become the new head coach at Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall stepping down. He's been calling plays for them for seven years and a whole lot of playoff games. Two national titles. Two national titles. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said Wednesday there have been preliminary discussions with the NCAA's Football Oversight Committee and in coaching circles about possibly changing the early signing period for recruiting. December December become the big date. It's hurrying up coaching fires and hires and distracting from the season. And in the end, I don't know how much it matters because of the fact that the uh, players
10: can transfer anyway. So, there is something that uh, is in their favor.
0: But asking these kids and these schools to make commitments on two weeks. Not ideal. Far less than that, actually. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Bill Clark, UAB football coach, is going to join us at 7.15. Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T SportsNet. He'll be here at 8 o'clock as the Jazz keep winning. And Dr. Chris Hill, the former University of Utah Athletic Director, is going to join us in studio at 8.30. He'll be here for about an hour. The 30-year arc that gets Utah out of the middle or bottom of the whack into the Mountain West, into the Fiesta and Sugar Bowls, into the Pac-12, and now to the Rose Bowl. We'll talk with him about that coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
1: This is
0: unripe. guys are doing a hell of a job. And
13: I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl and I don't know if I've told you that yet but that's what's what's going on and I remember back at that time 35, 36 years ago where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes
1: That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at
0: 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Bill Clark, football coach at UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. They are getting ready to face BYU in the Independence Bowl. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain State of the Art. Smart Irrigation Controller helps with first class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877 346 3333. Coach, good morning.
8: Morning. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. And it seems like the Blazers are doing pretty well too. Eight and four. A uh, second place finish in your division. What got you to eight wins? What is the core of this team that accounted for the success?
8: Yeah, you know, we had a lot of our guys that um, had been with us for a while, end up, I guess, with COVID probably like a lot of folks. We ended up getting that extra year um, with kind of our core group uh, of seniors back and just a really good group. You know, they've had you a know, pretty good bit of success. And, and um, you know, we had a really tough schedule this year, but, you know, thought they did a good job of leading us.
10: Well, as I look at your stats, Coach, uh, you guys are awesome against the run. Your run defense is uh, what? Uh, I think it's a top five or something like that. Uh, I think top top 12 is what it was. I, got, I wrote it down. And 15th-ranked defense. So could you tell us, I mean, there's guys that I can go down and look at uh, Turner up front uh, and right and in the back at Cash. Just tell us about your defense and what has made it so effective this season.
8: You know, I think for all of us, um, you know, defense is an ever-evolving uh, situation with kind of what's going on offensively. And, you know, we say especially what's trended in, in, in this football in general offensively, you know, with tempo and spread and all the different things you have to defend. You know, I think for us that's kind of been a hallmark, you know, since we brought the program. I've kind of got a defensive background. So we always say we're going to build it with with playing, you know, trying to play great defense. Um but, you know, I think this group, uh, you know, it's it's kind of year to year as you go. And we've had some injuries this year, probably like a lot of folks. I know BYU's going through the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but for the most part, I feel like they've done a good job. And then, you know, against the run, we've been pretty good this year, no doubt.
0: You've also got a running back who can really – really run the ball. Uh, Dwayne McBride, almost 1,200 yards and he got hurt and only got seven carries in the last game. He only needed 12 more yards, so I assume he would have gotten that. What makes him so good?
8: Yeah, you know, he's, you know, like, like all good running backs, he's got really good vision, but he's really strong, really powerful. Um, you know, really good on yards after contact. Uh, explosive. You know, he's just really done good. I I think he had what 99 yards in the first quarter before he got hurt. I hate that for him. I think he'd have probably broke or or, or led the conference. You know, I think he ended up leading the conference anyway. But you know, I think just he would have that would have been a great game to see him if he got to play three more quarters. But he's really had a good year for us.
10: You've outscored opponents in the first half, some like 209 to 148. Any particular reason that you seem to get off to great starts?
8: You know, I think, it, you know, for us, it, you know, and, I, and once again, I don't know what what creates great starts, what creates fast starts. We talk about it, you know, but I think sometimes it's – I think we lost about six out of the last seven, seven coin tosses. And, you know, everybody's been deferring a lot. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of been the thing for all of us. I was always a guy that deferred. Uh, so our offense has kind of gotten the ball first and, and done well, you know, but, you know, I think all of us are, are scared to say that because it's like okay, you know, we don't want to we don't want to say we started fast and you know because um, you're don't you're worried about the next game. But the offense has done a good job of of coming out the gate fast.
0: Bill Clark, joining us, football coach at UAB. So your team goes eight and four and lose to Georgia early and UTSA late, and we understand those are really good teams that had great seasons. Uh, the Liberty and Miss and Rice losses were a little bit of a mystery to me when I was reading up on Rice turns out that for whatever reason matchups I don't know what it is uh, they've, they've beaten you several times the last few years can you explain what happened in those two years because you, you handled a lot of teams and I can't figure out what went wrong there
8: well two things Rice has not beaten us this is the first time they've beaten us since I've been here so um, Rice I mean give them credit they had a quarterback that has been out he came back we were on an eight game and I don't make it excuse, but we were on an eight game um Without an open date, and we were banged up. And hey, they came and played us good. We scored to win the game. Oh, there was eleven seconds left. I feel like we would have won. got a holding call on it. Just we give them credit. Liberty you know, was a good team. You know, we just didn't. Three three and a half, and they came out second half and played well. Um, you know, but Rice, no, that was the first time we'd lost to them since I've been here.
10: Well, UTSA, we already said, is a good team. I think I might have known why you lost. I mean, you outgained them by 100 yards, and they scored right at the end. You held them to 65 yards rushing. Harris, their quarterback, did throw for three twenty-three. But the number that jumped out at me for you guys in the negative was 13 penalties for 124 yards. Uh, I'm guessing that had to get under your skin. Has that been a problem this year or no?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think penalties are always something that we all look at, so – um, I think last few games were probably, you know, Marshall, we were, we were good there. And El Paso, we were better. But no, the UTSA game, that was a problem.
0: So when you look at BYU and you look at the matchups there, what is the number one thing that, conf- that worries you about the way your team matches up with them?
8: Oh, gosh. I mean, you could go through the list. I mean, you know, start with their offense. They've got weapons all over the field. Um yeah, I think they're really good at receiver. They got tight ends that can catch the ball. Um, they're very well coached, they're big up front, Running running backs great, but there's there's multiple of them. The quarterback can run and throw. Um, they're very diverse. They take shots. I mean so we we could talk all day about offensively. And then defensively, same thing. And I know the head coach's background, coach talk you know, when you got a head coach that's got a defensive background, they're always gonna be good defensively, very multiple. Um once again, big up front, history of you know you know you talk about BYU, you talk about a history of winning, you know, so they expect to win. Uh, really good in the special teams, so you know it's just a obviously it's just a really really good team. They've done a great job.
10: You speak of tight ends, your tight end uh, Prince leads the nation in uh, yards per per reception at twenty yards each of us thirty two receptions. And uh, eight touchdowns. He a big play for big play guy for you, I would assume.
8: Yeah, Prince has really had a great year. Um, just kind of the guy we always thought he could be. He was that with receiver. Uh, had been a receiver in junior college, and we move him to tight end. And the whole time we know he's a mismatch because uh, he runs so well, and he'll have a chance to keep playing past us, you know. But he's done a, he's done a heck of a job, you know. And, and we've done a good job offensively finding creative ways to get him the ball.
0: Dylan Hopkins, your quarterback, you talked about a lot of seniors back, but uh he is uh he is a junior and the attempts, two hundred and twelve attempts over the course of a season seems a little on the low end, really kind of picking your spots there in the passing game.
8: Yeah, that's kind of been our deal. You know, we've always been able to run the ball and uh and then take our throws when we when we want to and when they fit. He's really come on and uh we had a long time starter in Tyler Johnston. Uh who had gone through some injuries and dealing guys opportunities. really, He's done well, and he's getting better every week.
10: As I look at your schedule this year, you're due to win because you've had three two-game winning streaks. So you lost to San Antonio, but then you beat El Paso, and that was your last game. So the bowl game, you are shooting for four two-game winning streaks. That's kind of an oddity, but it also tells me your team is able to get past losses and move on.
8: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point. I think that's one of the things as coaches. The hardest thing as a coach is to is to get them up. The you know the week after loss. I mean, and, and especially like last week, that was such a big deal for us losing that UTSA game because it was for the championship. Really, you know, to get us in the championship game. Really, we would still have to beat El Paso. But um, yeah, and then to come back and play a good El Paso team and and find a way to win and all the things you go through for a season. You know, I don't. I don't know about, you know how streaks go, but you know, as far as you know, coming back after a loss, that's, that is something I'm proud of.
0: Obviously, UAB has the unique situation where the program was shut down and then brought back, and that was big enough news. We heard about it on this side of the country, and I'm curious, as the coach, and there's so many details that go into it, are there long-term ramifications to that? Are you past that? Where does that stand?
8: Yeah, I think we are past it now. I do think that you know you just start talking about the history of college football I mean, how many times has that ever happened, and then to bring it right back. But you know what happened? The, the community fought and said, "No, this program is important." And uh, you know we've went out and raised probably about sixty million for facilities and all the things that were needed, and built you know built a new facility here, and then our community came together and we bought a we built a city stadium uh, downtown that's state of the art. It was a combination of the city and the county and and uAB coming together and building this state of the art stadium that we just opened up this year uh you know about midway through the year. We got in there, so that's a huge deal for us. And, you know we feel like the you know the future is very bright you know obviously Birmingham loves football and you know we're the economic center of the state, we got the great university that's a medical school. Um, so, you know, we've got a great university, and now we've got the commitment, and obviously, you know, we're taking a step going to the American Conference. Um, you know, we'll play one more year, but, we're you know, in a year we'll be in the American Conference. So, you know, everything's trended in the right direction.
0: Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us, and we we'll look forward to the game.
8: Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Bill Clark, UAB football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah. Feel pretty good about BYU's chances after listening to him? No. (laughs) No? I don't even know if they're going to have their coach. Okay, well, that's a wild card, and if that happens, then we can reassess. You asked me
10: the question. I gave you the answer. I don't know if they're going to have the coach. I mean, John Canzano reported. If John Canzano reports it, I mean, come on. He's got his finger on the pulse of the state of Oregon. He's right there with the hammer. I mean, once these guys report it, then it becomes big news. I reported, man, not much. <laughs> we need a national guy to confirm. <laughs> and if you don't put it on, and I'm and I'm now uh, rejecting putting it on Twitter, just out of spite.
0: <laughs> You've drawn a line in the sand, and, and this it, is it. Yeah,
10: yeah. So,
0: I mean, he reported that they were gonna.
10: They've uh, made contact, and I didn't see that coming. I, 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 that was a shocker. Pretty me. sure you did. <laughs> So, it it it's funny the 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 hierarchy, man. If you if you have any form of print, you rank much higher. Radio has to be the lowest. I mean, when we go to the stadiums, you could say by the seating chart, I am beyond the .dot com fan people. I mean, the the person next to me at Allegiant Stadium had on a Utah shirt and a Utah hat, and
0: I sit left of them. Could you not take up all that space at the 15-yard line, sir? You move move down? aside. You move down to the seven or eight. So they view
10: radio as like the lowest form of medium. <laughs> and I have a fair amount of credentials, not much. We've got to get you back on back with the paper, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first year down at the Mountain West Tournament, uh, basketball, I didn't even have a seat. And I look at it, the Green Valley Tri-Monthly had a seat. <laughs> And, and, and Javen, the guy that I'd known for years, Javen, is there something wrong here? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I mean, we still write. I mean, I write for KSL. It's, it's by far, nothing against the watchdog, but the, it's by far the leading uh, website in the state. Uh, and well, then it, put that on your on your request instead of radio. But it doesn't work that way. You can't. And I didn't fill out the credential anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly we've known about it, and I don't, but I, don't ha- I have nothing new to report. I, what, what, what I don't like to do is the, the people who give you information, I don't badger them. So I'm not hitting them up three, four times a day because then they get
0: irritated. What about now? How about now? Yeah, right, right. How about right, now? Right.
10: So there's really, from, from my perspective, there's nothing left to report right now. Uh, you know, in a day or two, that's another story. We got to let it settle. I don't know that he's going to get the job. I don't know that he's been offered the job. I know he wants the money that goes along with the job. Who wouldn't? And I know BYU is going to do what they can uh, within the uh, BYU so called reason, you know, whatever that within reason is. Uh, so that it changes, so it's hard to nail down. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to do what they believe is right. Whether I think it's right, I don't know, because I don't know that I'll know the full extent of what they think is right. They like to be buttoned down. But there's people out there who will talk, people out there who trust you, you know, and the expansion stuff. That was – I had – well, I don't want to go into it. I don't want to give up anybody. But, uh, you know, information was available. So we'll see what happens. But that's a big deal for the Cougars. I mean, and I guess there's some guys that – players – who've gone on Twitter, you few folks live on Twitter a lot more than I do, uh, that said uh, we're going to go where Kalani goes or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah,
0: the transfer from Oregon, Kingsley Sua Matias, said something like that. Mason Wake, who joins Jake and Ben, has been joining them weekly all season long, said make sure you take care of this man. so there's Of no course. Players speaking out
10: for him. Yeah, well, if you're winning and you're playing, you're going to love the guy. If you're losing or you're not playing and or you're not playing, well, that's another story but if you're winning and you're getting your time whatever position you are uh, then you're in love with him and who wouldn't be in love with this guy this guy's a very lovable guy and he'll love you back you know I I don't know what the scale would be but uh, he'd have to rank right at the top of of coaches who love their players and it's a cliche and all that stuff but you know with him there's a degree of truth there for sure so they've got to figure he's got to figure it out and if he even gets offered. I don't know that he's going to get offered. I can't say that. I, I, I certainly cannot report that whatsoever, nor am I willing to at this time.
0: There are other names that have been out there. Will he be the first, second, or third choice? Will the first choice take it? Would it fall to him if he were second? I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. Well, it would fall to him if the first choice didn't take if it. He's if he's were second. second.
6: <laughs>
10: Maybe
0: he'll be first, and it'll fall to somebody else. Or I knows. don't know. I don't yeah. know all those uh,
10: complexities. <clears throat> but I know Maybe John Canzano does. I wouldn't surprise me if he does. He will. If he doesn't now, I think you have to let the process play a little bit. You know, it's a, they, the word became official on Monday, and if there's no 100% obvious candidate, well, then you got to take your time because the coordinators have you know they're new, they've left, uh, the offensive coordinator left, the uh, coordinator last year. Uh, went down to Vegas and the other coordinator from the year before went to Boise. So it's not like, you know, with uh, when Urban Meyer left and and Chris Hill will have in studio here in an hour. I mean, Kyle Whittingham had been there many years, a decade or so, maybe even longer. I'd have to go back and and I think it was right around 10 years. And so it was obvious, you know, he was a a leading candidate, if not the leading candidate. It doesn't mean Chris Hill didn't talk to other people. Uh, So for Oregon, there's these coordinators don't jump out at you and make it obvious. You know, Notre Dame, they they went actually with one guy for one year. You know, Their coordinator
0: had only been there for one year. 35 but, years old, man, so bold. I hope he succeeds big time. But in-house, they thought it was obvious. And you can see where that would be an issue at Oregon. It could have been an issue at Notre Dame. It just happened with that guy. They thought it was obvious. Yeah, similar situation. Bold move. I'm, i it's just a 35-year-old,
10: and he had himself admitted, I never expected this. But Now he's got this opportunity this massive opportunity. Who's to say who's to say he doesn't kill it? I don't know. You never you never really know until they they get in that position. I I wish him very well I've grown up as a, a Notre Dame fan, but my definition of fan is much different than Most folks definition of fan in my household. We certainly followed Notre Dame. I don't I don't live and die by Notre Dame's results That's the difference with me, but I'm certainly a fan of their program for sure and it was very much a thrill to take my parents back there. And I took them, literally. I, I forked uh, over the whole thing. And plus the watchdog with the uh, hotel and rent a car. Led to legendary stories with my mother in the Cougar Club eating breakfast.
0: <laughs> that I told at her funeral. <laughs> and after the game, it was pretty good, too. Oh, after the game, After yeah. the game, holding Court, just sit over here, be quiet, watch the game. Come back a few minutes later, <laughs> the party is on, yep. stories are being told, people are being regaled. Oh, yeah, we just needed a fire going. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he didn't play with fire in the press box. Save that for Georgia Tech.
10: <laughs> they were not quiet. They, 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 they did not follow instructions to what I had asked them to do, but they had a whale of a time. They talked about it right to the end of the their lives too so I'm so glad it happened as my father obviously grew up uh, Irish Catholic a longtime Notre Dame fan as so many of them are and that was way cool Uh, but that's somebody who got us got a bold opportunity uh, in Oregon uh, in we had on Lincoln Kennedy and I asked him about uh, USC do they have to they have to go sexy and he said absolutely and they did you know big-time sexy with Lincoln Riley. Does Oregon really need sexy? Um, I don't think they do to an extent. They need somebody who's going to be there because they've gone through a bunch of coaches here in a relatively short span of time. And I think that's the that is extremely important. You've got to get somebody who can win, of course, but you've got to get somebody who's going to invest in the community. Four in a decade is a lot of coaches. Yeah, because this is a premier program with just untold amounts of, if not limitless, resources. But yet it's been a stepping stone. Now, Helfrich was fired, uh, but the, uh, the last two have bounced. And even Kelly, you know, Kelly took off. Did he take off ahead of the posse? Yes. Uh, I guess you could say that, uh, you know, but did Pete Carroll take off of that? Yeah. I, I don't really get into the cheating Because I think it's a freeway full of speeders. (laughs) (laughs) Which car gets pulled over. Yeah. I, I really believe that from all the stuff that I've been exposed to. Now, I come at life from a cynical point of view, but also, too, it's not baseless. I mean, guys have told me so much stuff over the years that you just, you roll your eyes now. It's like, of course, guys who are held up as being the utmost clean. No. But then there are other guys that they don't even look at it. They're friends of them. Yeah, yeah, I know they cheat, but what is cheating? And that's what it's become down to. So I don't look at Kelly and Carol thinking, oh, my gosh, those guys are, you know, they did what they did. So be it. And they're trying to win. So that's sort of the way I look at it. But I think it's important for Oregon to get somebody. And I think Kalani would be there for a good while. The only way I could see him leaving is if the Ute job opened up, which it will. Uh, And would he want to come home there? But, you know, if you sign somebody, you know, whoever you sign, you can't guarantee that he's going to be there 15 years because you're not willing to give him a 15-year contract in the first place. But
0: they haven't had anybody stay five years. They've had a bunch of guys either leave after four or, in the case of Helfridge, get fired after four. Yeah, and that's interesting for a program of that stature. Four in a decade, five and 15 years, that is a lot of coaches. Yeah. <clears throat> So, it'll be very,
10: very interesting to see what they do and which direction they go. But back to BYU playing in this game, certainly I expect them to win. Uh, but I don't scoff at UAB. I mean, we tend to look at these programs, okay, you're down here and the other program's up there. So, that program's going to win. I get a certain logic on that. But you also can look at. You know, they're down there and, and Birmingham's just down the road, up the, up the road from Tuscaloosa. So much talent in that area that I, don't, I just don't disrespect somebody just because they're from a lower conference. And I don't, I don't buy that at all. That may end up being that way. But if BYU beats them, it's going to be because they're better than them, not simply because, oh, they're from a lower conference. It's not like an Idaho State situation.
0: You know, that's another that's an entirely different ball game. Well, in a lot of these conferences there's a big gap from the top to the bottom of the conference. I mean the Mountain West made a lot of hay out of what they did against the Pac twelve this year, but the whole Mountain West didn't do it. San Diego State got two of those wins, Fresno beat UCLA and got one of those wins. So UAB is near the top of their league.
10: Yeah, and they basically shot themselves in the foot against San Antonio. Or uh, thirteen penalties. And San Antonio scored literally right at the
0: end. Uh, so, and you so look at their defense, their defense has eye popping numbers. If you play Georgia, you're going to lose a game, and they got two other games that went right to the bitter end that they lost.
10: Yeah. I still expect the Cougars to win,
0: but I think it's a major blow if they have an interim coach. Especially depending on how many of the assistants are gone. I mean, we've seen situations where teams have been missing one or two coaches, we've seen situations where teams are missing five or six coaches. Yeah, I think because it's so early, though, they would still be there.
10: It's next week. You know, it's, what, nine days away? So I think that's a little different in this situation. You know, that's I think that's part of the re- reason with Bronco coaching in the Vegas Bowl, the old Vegas Bowl at Sammy Boyd, because it was done early. So if these guys decide in the next uh, three days or so, I think it'll be wrapped up fairly quickly if it should happen. That at that point, uh, you know, you you're you're in a game week. You can ride it out another week, I would think, uh, as far as that goes. But that that's unsettling either way. So, and I still expect BYU to win, and they're going to go uh, what eleven and two? What did they go? Were they eleven and one last year?
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's. So what's that? Uh, Twenty two and three. Winning 88% of your games. Yeah, that's really awesome. a sweet run. And I think if he
10: goes, people will just say, man, that sucks for BYU, but congratulations to you. And then they go through the search again. You know, and we'll identify two or three candidates and and one of them will get the job.
0: Uh, and And that'll be it. But I think the the Oregon numbers will come out at some point. Oh, it's a public university. They're available. If if the numbers are massive, people will shrug and go, well, there goes Nike. Yeah, but even if somebody gets a million
10: dollar raise, are you going to say, don't take a million dollar raise? I certainly do not. (laughs) No. Because there's much more than that. It's much more than his simple, not
0: simple, but simply his paycheck paycheck for the, all the, the assistance the, this is the, the complete funding of the program <clears throat> what's the recruiting budget like obviously their facilities are off the charts and they continue to build and build
10: and build yeah and a lot of it is transportation for recruiting you know, do you have to drive up to Portland and go through security and, and sit there, and then you're in the winter, and this flight and that flight is canceled, and this and that, and especially these days, you know? As opposed to
0: getting on a private jet. Yeah,
10: yeah, yeah. That's a big, big difference. That can make a massive difference in quality of life, which is important. Because these guys, there really is, there's a there's a season in which you play games, and then there's a season in which you don't play games, but it's not the off-season. At all. No. It's just a a couple of weeks here and there. You know, that was the whole intramural rant by Dan Hawkins. You know, it is a big-time commitment, time commitment for these folks. And they're gone a lot. I had one coach tell me spring recruiting, he said, I can't tell you how much it eats at my heart to know I'm in -in fill-in-the-blank city when my 10-year-old is up to bat. Or going to kick a soccer ball, whatever the instance might be.
0: Whatever the event, activity,
10: yeah. team. Or, you know, recital, yeah, uh, band concert, whatever whatever it is. It doesn't have to be sports. But they're doing their thing, yeah, and you're not there. And you know, by that time, you understand in your life that those times are never coming back. Uh, now, I don't want to make these guys martyrs. They sign up for it. Go be a BYU entrepreneur, and then you can go do whatever you want. Or the best form of money, I believe, is through inheritance, which you didn't even have to work for. You know how much inheritance I got from my parents when they passed?
0: They left debt. I was going to go under zero. Uh, They might have left debt, but my sister handled that. Then zero.
10: Zero point (laughs) zero (laughs) zero dollars. Thanks for carrying it out behind the decimal (laughs) points. (laughs) (laughs) But, nevertheless, I'm, in a, I'm extremely for, fortunate. I am in a great, great position. Uh, my finances are in order. I knock on wood 1,000 times over to the point I'd have bloody knuckles. <laughs> so, I've got zero complaints. I need to highlight that. But inheritance is always beautiful. But these guys, I mean, they, they grind, man. These assistants, even the head coaches, the head coaches, are they're lucrative. I mean, they get massive amounts of money and massive amounts of perks. Uh, so good on them, but they also grind too. But the assistants, I mean, they grind big time. So if any of these dudes have an opportunity to get more money, all of us need to just say congratulations. I don't want it to happen. I want Kalania's assistants to stay here. I want them to be BYU lifers if they so choose. Uh, but I that might not be the reality. And obviously it's not going to be a reality. What do they got? 10, 11 coaches and plus staff guys. I mean, you get to know guys over the years and you end up liking them and they treat you well and you want to see them succeed. That, that's just the nature of this business. If you've been in a market long enough like you and I have, you end up liking these. You get to know them a little bit and and you want them to succeed, man. And it bothers you if you don't. But at the same time, if they should go. You feel happy for them, but I have to admit I feel sad for the BYU's fan base cuz they've waited a long time to be in this position.
0: And now they're here. Yeah. And, things and are Oregon out. comes calling. Yeah. But it's life in college football. If you win a lot, someone will come calling. If it's life for if it's life for Oklahoma, if it's life for Notre Dame, how is it not going to be life for Utah, BYU, and Utah State. Well if you if you get a Kyle yeah, yeah, and he right. decides to say no to Tennessee, you just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it's Notre Dame and Oklahoma, and they just got their coaches poached. Sure, but Utah's paying
10: this man comparatively well in the conference. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect the Cougars to play Sataki at the top of the Big 12. See, that's, a, that's sort of a, it's an accountability transition. Because now we've got measurables. And these are, Baylor isn't, and, and TCU isn't. But the other ones are public institutions. Mm-hmm. So all that money is available. Yeah. And, and so now we've been fine. Yeah, right. Now we say, if what you want to What does Iowa compete, State yeah. pay? What does K State pay? What does Oklahoma State pay? Right. And it's right there in black yeah. and white. What are Cincinnati and UCF paying? That's what's way cool about this, is that this is, now BYU is going to be held accountable. The days of Lavelle being on the bottom and succeeding, goodbye.
0: Good luck with that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But the problem is, even if they get to the middle of the league or near the top of the league, if you're winning in the Big 12 in Provo, Utah, the rest of college football is going to think, man, the people in Florida and Texas have huge advantages. How's this guy pulling this off? Sure. And they're going to keep coming, and they're going to double down, and nothing about this is slowing down. I mean, the bidding wars are just getting crazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but see, that's the position you want to be in, though. Yeah, it means you're
10: winning. It's the old Chris yeah. Hill line. It probably means you're winning big. You yeah, I, have... I want my coaches to be sought after. And he said it at a time they were in the Mountain West. Now it's a different time. And I, I will go to my grave saying you have everything you need to be successful at the highest levels at the University of Utah. And as we transition into the Big 12, I think in about two or three years, I'm going to be able to say the same thing about BYU that I have been saying the last several at Utah, because I really, really believe that. That's why I've been preaching to these kids, hey, look up the street, man. You don't need to go chasing gold. You got gold right here in your backyard.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz. Studio analyst is going to join us. Coming up in 20 minutes, how hot are the Jazz? Question of the day. We will get to that next. Stay with us.
1: This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 Hotline. What are your thoughts on a Utah- Ohio State matchup?
7: A lot of people think Ohio State is going to not have a huge sense of urgency because, you know, it's playoff or bust for them. But I happen to think Ohio State's going to bring their A-game and it will be interesting. I mean, it's a different level of talent and athleticism than Utah's used to see. Even compared to Oregon, right? I know Oregon won the head-to-head, but, you know, Ohio State's a way better team now than it was then. Utah will have to take a page out of Michigan's playbook and just try to calm the ball, right? Rising the field 15, 20 times, and they just run the ball as often as they can and see if that works. And if it does work, I think Utah has a good chance to win. If Utah can't run the ball, then we're talking about big problems.
1: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olson and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone Hot Text Your Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR at 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.UtahHairMD.com. How hot are the Jazz? Question of the morning, after the Jazz blow out the Timberwolves in the third quarter early in the fourth, end up winning by 32. That's five straight wins. Tony says they're playing better, but I'd imagine if they would stop giving up 12-point or more runs in every game. They'd be at the Suns and Warriors level.
10: Okay, but I can argue the Suns haven't had a uh, little bit of a slump, and the Jazz have, and the Suns are going to. Everyone does. And the Jazz couldn't make shots earlier. But it was only a matter of time before they got it going. And they play a beautifully aesthetically beautiful brand of basketball when they move the ball like that. You know, I hate the one-on-ones and the isolation and all that. We don't see that as much anymore with the rules and all that. But the Jazz seem to be one of the better teams with the ball movement. And it's fun to watch. You know, the dunks are nice and all, but I like a swish, too. I like a smooth stroke that's online and it just goes right in the basket that's something that I enjoy and this team has a lot of players capable of doing that and when they're clicking most of them do we need all of them but most of them like Rudy Gay wasn't clicking uh, last night his shot wasn't falling as much and that's fine that's even better because have a couple guys who aren't shooting well and you still win uh, because then he'll make it as we saw and we've seen him go on a little bit of a tear himself So these guys, they have the opportunity to be the best offense in the league. You know, if they could only pick up Steph Curry, look out. (laughs) (laughs) Waiver wire and a
0: surprise move today.
10: (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to put their shooters on his level because I don't think anybody's Anybody's on his level. He's on his own level and he's fun to watch for sure. Uh, But the rest of them, man, I'll put them on anybody's level. And collectively, and Mitchell's got it going on, which you, you know they will. The, the talent is there, and talent is what it's about. Ultimately, it's about talent. Whittingham has drilled that into our brains a thousand times over with the recruiting. And there's more to it than that, but they've got to have the talent. And these guys got the talent, particularly offensively, to really have so much firepower. And we're seeing it be displayed.
0: How hot are the Jazz? Eldon says it won't matter until the playoffs. It matters a little bit. You're not going to turn it on and come out of nowhere in the playoffs. Not in this season. But you you do have to be hot in the playoffs. And you can have a great regular season and then go down in the second round like the Jazz did last year. And we can list a bunch of other teams. I don't know that they have have to be hot in the playoffs. I think they have to play to the level of their
10: ability. Which I guess then you could say is hot. They play to the level of their ability. What we've seen, not just a time or two, not during just a you know, a little mini streak or even a good streak, it's what their level of talent is. And each of these guys, because they're a veteran laden team, for sure. And each of these guys has proven over a good span of time that what their level of ability is. So I wouldn't say necessarily that they have to be hot, because to me, hot implies, man, you just can't miss. It's your day. It's your night. If you've played any level of basketball, you, even, even at the, sl- the lowest levels, you felt it. I mean, even in pickup, you felt, man, I am on tonight, and it, it is just really happening for me. Uh, I mean, I've played a ton of pickup in my day, uh, and you, know, you just know whatever for whatever reason man it's is dropping i don't think they need that to win i think they need that to play to their level to play to their level of, of their abilities that they're capable of playing and then we'll see and i think they can win the thing about it is that because whoever just said that that well we won't really know till the playoffs that
0: tells us that you're a really good team cuz if you're not really good we'll know that before the playoffs
10: yeah there's just a few teams that their seasons will be defined by what happens in the playoffs. You look at Memphis last year and their coach when they got beat, he was
0: ecstatic. They had made significant progress. Their season was already defined. Yeah. and Could have been redefined to a higher level had they beaten the Jazz. But but that wasn't going to happen. But they had made significant progress. Right, right. Getting into the into the little, uh, what do we call that mini-playoff? getting into that and then prevailing there. Yeah, the play in that was a that was a big deal for them.
10: Yeah, 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 and they competed well against the Jazz and took a ball game and competed well in the other games. And so that no one's going to say, man, the Memphis Grizzlies, their season is going to be defined by the playoffs. And if Denver doesn't get healthy, no one's going to say that about them. And if Clippers don't get healthy, basically four teams and one might not even be justified. Because we're just putting the Lakers there because they're old and they're expected to be for some reason. I don't know why, but that's the label of expecta- expectation that LeBron is going to have. He's playing for history. Uh, and to what level, to the degree of history, when it's said and done, then we'll know. And LeBron fans will say he's the best, and the Jordan fans will say he's the best, and whatever. And The rest of us will move on. Yeah, and then we'll... I. <coughs> I don't end up I don't think I'll say he's the best but I have no problem saying he's one of the best there's just no doubt about that. He in top 2 or 3. Yeah, I mean he's in, he's absolutely sensational. But they get put on that. I don't know that collectively this group of Lakers belongs at that in that category, but the other 3 do and that's the Suns, the Warriors and the Jazz.
0: DJ and PK, Mike Smith is coming up next. Utah Jazz Studio Analyst for at and Sportsnet. He'll join us on the other side of this break. Chris Hill, former Ute Athletic Director, in studio to talk about the 30-year climb that the Utes made that has landed them in the Rose Bowl. Chris is coming up at 8.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst, joins us right now on the SmartRain guest line. Range, state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Mike, good morning.
14: Hi, guys. How are you?
0: We're doing well. We have questions about the Jazz. Curious your answers.
14: I got them for you. Maybe I got them.
0: (laughs) So we all wonder how the Jazz could be so bad against really bad teams against the bottom of the NBA. And now they look like the team that we thought they could be, thought they should be, thought they would be depending on where you fall on the the fan spectrum with your expectations. But certainly this is at least the ballpark people were hoping and expecting as opposed to losing to the Magic and losing to the Pelicans I and mean, those are two of the three worst teams in the NBA. So how do they go 4 and 5 over 9 games to just just not look anything like what we thought they should be. And now, man, if you turned on the third quarter, as you expected, I was watching you at halftime, that was a beautiful thing. Jazz fans everywhere are like, yes! So what happened? How did it happen? Yeah,
14: yeah that was fun. Um, and thank you for watching. That, that means something if you're watching, because you know a lot about basketball. But um,
10: Darn expert.
14: The Orlando loss was just a a road loss, right? They gave belief and hope to a young team, and a guy caught fire, Cole Anthony, and made plays down the stretch. I think that was a game they played without Mike Conley. And then the New Orleans loss is your example of when you don't take care of the ball and have solid possessions down the stretch. They have two really bad long threes. Uh, they made a dribbling turnover and then even missed like a free throw down the stretch which which gave New Orleans a chance. I and mean, then give New Orleans a chance. This Devontae Grant comes down and makes a twenty eight footer on the fly at the buzzer. So those things can happen. But if you remember, at the end of that game, Donovan kinda of went on the press conference and he said, This is on me. You know, this is I won't let this happen again. I need to be better. I will be better. And Doggone it, that kid since that moment has been nothing short of, you know, Jordan-esque. He's been so terrific. I think I end up saying on the telecast or, you know, in the post or halftime, it's always darkest before dawn. You know, not D-A-W-N, but D-O-N because he senses the moment comes to life. And I'll tell you another thing. Early on, they weren't shooting the ball. And we talked about it. You guys were talking about it. Guys were not making shots. Even before last night's game, I I challenged at least the viewers to see if Clarkson and Bogey could begin to make threes on the road after the long homestand where, you know, 10 out of 12 at home, you got more practice time, you got more individual time, you can go check into the facility at 10 at night and get shots up. I kind of felt like they're their shots would come around and those guys combined for ten threes last night and they dismantled a Minnesota team which has been pretty good of late like at first glance you'd say oh they've lost three in a row and now four in a row but in reality they've won seven of eleven and you know beaten some decent teams like Miami and Memphis and, and I don't even put the Memphis buzzer beater as a, as a loss because Memphis is fourth in the west they're pretty good
10: you played on those uh, Celtic teams that had some legendary players, Hall of Fame players, and I'm wondering their mindset. They were veteran guys, in this Jazz group Mitchell's still young, but he's a veteran. And then you got other guys: Conley, Joe, Bogey. They, they're they're most definitely veterans, and they understand that, as we all do, the season is going to be defined. The ultimate grade is going to be assigned based on the playoffs. And that's only a few teams that can put themselves in that category. And if you're in that category, right. that means you're very good to begin with. So how is it, as you relate to when back when you saw Bird and McHale and those guys go through these sort of mind-numbing slew of never-ending games that you just have to play <laughs> before you can get to the point where, all right, now this is going to be where you're judged? Because I'm, I don't want to say they sleepwalk through some of these games, But they know that, I mean, they got to win these games now, but it's really important to win the games at the end, because that's, at this level, this team, that's how they're going to be judged. So how difficult is it just to play through these never-ending list of games in these cities that you can't even remember in two or three weeks? Uh,
14: PK, let me give an example. If I'm too old to play competitive most of anything, right? So, like, But if my kids take me to Pro Rec Center and challenge me, I might think it's fun and games at the beginning, and I might prepare haphazardly. But once we start playing and there's either money on the line or pride on the line, then juices flow, and whatever's in you, and I think every guy has that element of whatever's in them to some degree It it lights up, so it it begins to, you know, burn with fire, and nobody likes to lose, and so anybody who makes it to this level, it gets incredibly difficult to make it to this level. You know, I don't know what the odds are, whether it's one in a million or one in two million, but you make it to the NBA, there's something inside you that got you through high school tournaments and, you know winning MVP of your high school conference, becoming a college player and a college starter and putting time in the weight room and and it just it just goes like that. And so it is the cream of the crop that rises. And not everybody's journey's the same, right? Look at Gobert who comes to the game late or Donovan, who's the 13th pick and supposed to be a journeyman, NBA player, and maybe make an all-star team if he gets in the right situation. or, you know, you're the first, second, third pick in the draft. And, you know, it's kind of written in stone what's going to happen because your talent is so rich. The guys I played with in Boston were mostly of the latter sort. College All-Americans, you know, who were incredible and, and burned with desire. And so Bird was that way, and he was the leader of our pack. And so Bird used to always say, I, I don't want to be here in Cleveland, you know. And we were flying commercially back then. He goes, crap, you think I want to fly to Cleveland in that lousy weather and stay in a hotel room and go-, go beat up on the calves and then wake up the next morning at 5 and jump on the next plane? He goes, but guys, since we're here and we have to be here, let's go kick their tail. And he used different language all the time, but he, he burned with a passion like that. And so in every NBA locker room, there's a pecking order that just automatically establishes itself. You, you, I didn't need to know because someone told me that Bird was the alpha and McHale was alpha number two and Dennis Johnson alpha number three and then Parrish, even though he was the most quiet, off the court. I saw it every day. And I saw it in their mannerisms, I saw it in the way they deferred to one another. You know, and McHale is arguably one of the greatest players of all time, but when it came to McHale and Bird, McHale deferred to Bird, right? He was better, his personality was stronger, his will to win was stronger. And so, it's there, PK, it, it you know, these guys take that challenge every game. Like, yeah, we're on the road, and, but these four road games are challenging. Like a back-to-back tonight to go get Philly after, you know, you just throttled Minnesota in the third quarter. Philly's now 1-4-5, and Bead's now back. Little Curry's on fire. Tobias Harris presents problems. They got this kid, Maxley, Tyrese Maxley, averaging about 18, and a championship coach. You don't think they're going to be ready? Yeah. They're going to bring it, and, you know, Donovan will lead the charge to say, okay, you know, mid-December regular season game, but we want to go 4-0 on this trip. And I think that's part of it, too. You set many short-term goals of sequence along the way, and my Celtics were great at that. Like, we got to go out west. Let's go get seven of these eight. Our trips out west were always eight games. And you know Donovan and Quinn are saying, guys, one at a time, but let's get all four. We got the next six at home leading up to Christmas, Forget about that. Let's go get these one at a time. Let's start at Cleveland. So I kind of, it's a great question. And I know it's football season, right? And we got three great teams in the state ripping it up and playing in big games. And the NFL's winding down. But this is the things that make guys champions.
0: A lot of hopes for uh, tweaking the lineup so that they've got the right combination for whatever an opponent presents in the playoffs. And although we're more of a quarter of the way into the season, we've only seen 10 games out of Rudy Gay. You want to make any statements about how he has fit and how he's going to fit into the team, or you want to see another 10 games?
14: No, I like him. I've seen enough. Um, I saw him a lot in the Western Conference. You know, me broadcasting games for 20 years for another team, so I know him well. When he entered the league, DJ, I thought he was the most talented small forward in the game. And I'm talking raw talent. I thought he was long. I thought he was athletic. I thought he had big, broad shoulders. I thought he could handle. He could shoot. He could score inside. And you're all seeing how, how easily and I don't throw that adverb out there just lightly, right? He shoots the three ball with incredible ease. You're talking long limbs and incredible strength. It's a flick of the wrist for him, almost LeBron-like with greater efficiency. He was basically a 34% career three-point shooter for his entire career. Last three years, 375. And until last night, when I think he only makes one, Missed his first five. He was way up in the high 40s for the Jazz. So I think what you're alluding to, DJ, is his ability to alter the Jazz lineup come playoff time and and throw him into the mix and have him guard a big and then all of a sudden drag a big out and you'll see it tonight. John Whiteside is not able to go again uh, because of this glute bruise or hamstring thing. It's kind of a hamstring thing that's climbing up into his glute. Uh you gotta go against Embiid who went for thirty two last night. I think you'll get a little preview of what the Jazz might do when they face a team with a viable center, whether it's Embiid in a conference final or NBA final or it's an Anthony Davis in the first round. But I love I love the new Rudy Gay. I thought he was I thought he was a little bit like Fred Couple. And I know PK's a golfer and a golf historian, so he'll get the he'll get the comparison. Fred was the most underachieving all world talent the world of golf has ever seen. (laughs) For him to win one major and less than twenty tournaments with that swing and that talent and that length, there's something that was lacking inside. I thought that was Rudy. But I was judging him from afar, right? I was the other guy's announcer. And he never delivered in a big game and a couple of playoff series. And I thought, okay, you know, now I'm kind of like, okay, he's in his 16th year. He's 35, and he's still getting after it, keeping himself in shape. And he's going to help this team contend for a title. So I kind of I view it a little differently, but uh, thrilled that he's here and a part of the team.
10: When, or maybe even if do you see the Warriors and Suns cooling off a little bit? Because this 800-plus ball is absolutely incredible.
14: Well, they're the two best teams in basketball. And I'd say two of the ten top coaches. And the Warriors are no question unique. My two favorite teams to watch are the Jazz, which is kind of fun because that's, part of the gig, right? I get to watch them, get to dig in deep to the details and decipher why they're good or why they're having an off night. And then any other game on, if the Warriors are on, I'm watching them. Because it's really basketball the way it was meant to be played. They have taken the Greg Popovich slogan from years ago, we're going to give up a good shot for a better shot. And Steve Kerr has magnified that a hundred times, and then he's turned the RPMs up. We're going to go get athletic players who are versatile, who can defend, who can switch, and they're going to play fast. And we're going to teach them to play fast so that when playoff time comes, they still play fast. And, you know, it helps to have Steph, who's the greatest shooter of all time. What is he, nine threes now away from Ray? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this year he's going to surpass 3,000 threes. Amazing, right? Harden will get to 3,000 as well in three-plus years. And Damian Lillard will also get to 3,000. Those might be the only three in our little current NBA that will get to that mark, but nobody's going to get to Steph. He's 33 years old, Harden's 31, Lillard's 31. Those guys are not going to surpass him career-wise. So I don't know who out there on the younger scheme is going to go get him at the volume he does it. But I love the Warriors because they play the game the right way, make a pass and cut pass give it you know give it up early you'll come around again and get it and then very simply on the Suns they're just great they just have great balance like each position is defined while the Warriors are a little bit like the Jazz positionless shoot pass anybody can score the Suns have definitive roles the ultimate point guard a perfect shooting scoring guard and a big who can roll and score, you can throw the ball in the post, and then athletic wings like Bridges and Crowder's kind of your enforcer, and you hope he shoots a high percentage. Both those teams are super good. And I would say the two top teams in the league right now and probably will be at the end.
10: One of the things I want to see out of the Jazz, and in particular Mitchell, Mike is that when they get in a last possession down by 1, down by 2, whatever it is, and we're talking literally at the end of the game, uh, I've been yep. a little I've been a little bit underwhelmed with his decision making. Now, he's their best player and Quinn Snyder's talked about it. We've got the ball in our best in the hands of our best player. But how does he figure out because there's no doubt he's their best player offensively for sure. How does he figure out how to make the possession to its maximum to get those points or at least to get the great opportunity, the proverbial clean look, within the context of the offense, but knowing that he's the guy, but at the same time not trying to go one-on-five. I'm not sure that I'm articulating my question the way I want to, but I'm just i wondering how he deals with that in those situations. Those situations don't pop up often, but they will – and how does he go about making the best decisions, whether that's shoot, draw and kick, whatever it might be, in those situations?
14: Yeah, I get the question. And my answer is a little bit, well, it's related a little bit to my Warriors uh, dialogue there. You, you, you almost have to, if you don't have, let's say, a bird, a Duncan. You know, a LeBron, a Jordan, an Anthony Davis, a Kobe. Guys, Giannis, Durant, Durant for sure, uh, is probably the best in these situations at this time of our NBA, in our current NBA. But it's also physically related, right? He's gifted. Yeah. He's 6'11". You can isolate him. You're going to get a pass to him because he's just going to post or mid post, put his arm up, you're going to get the ball, the defense then has to decide do we double him or not. So my answer to the Jazz situation is, correlates to that Warrior situation. Can you continue to play fast, and I don't mean too fast or hurried, but can you continue to attack and be aggressive late in games when the score is tight? Your booty gets a little tight, right? The magnitude of the shot means a little bit more. It's almost like the weight of a playoff game. If you miss, you lose. If you make, you win. The Jazz are not blessed with someone they could throw the ball in the post and he can get you a bucket, okay? So you are a perimeter-based team. They're a three-point shooting team. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league. So you have to create scenarios that are going to go to your strengths. That's why Quinn has built the offense he's built. you built an offense based on your personnel and your attributes. We can shoot. We have guys who can make plays, but, I mean, honestly, we're not going to throw the ball to Joe with seven seconds and say, go make a play. Yeah, Not enough time, right? Joe's good in his spot, and he's clever, and he's tricky. At the end, ideally, you want Donovan to have the ball. So um, two thoughts come to mind. In the New Orleans game, down one after Graham made the shot, I think we had maybe four to seven seconds left. Joe took the ball in. We ran a flare screen for Bogey, who'd made six threes in the game. So we ran that flare screen. He wasn't open. Second option was Donovan popping to the top of the key. He was immediately open, but Joe didn't throw him the ball. Okay, Joe looked for Bogey, then he looked down to the left to Clarkson. No, no, now he's looking at Donovan. But what happened was he threw it to Donovan. Rudy, who set the flare screen, then kind of leaped inadvertently and mistakenly, I'll say, up higher. So now Donovan doesn't catch it at 32 feet. He had to go to 37 feet to get it. Now when he gets it, Rudy's still kind of in the way and too late to set a screen, out of position, couldn't roll. Uh-oh, what do you do? Donovan dribbled to his right. He put up an 18-footer that was contested by Ingram and has lost the game. Fast forward two games they play in Boston, it's a one-possession game. And the Jazz didn't slow down, so it didn't come down to a final shot. But they, I think it was a direct, you know, counsel from the staff. Listen, let's not hold the ball, walk it up, and get ourselves in a situation where they can double us and they dictate what we do. Let's continue to push. If you remember late in that game, Donovan coming down the floor even signaled To Conley, here's where I'm going to be. And so instead of popping out, he went backdoor, and Conley fed him with a beautiful backdoor pass. He made a layup or dunk, and it took a one-point game to a three-point game without even eight seconds gone on the possession. So their key to me is to continue to play fast or attack and let Donovan be that initiator and, you know, if he goes off a Rudy screen, great. If they double him, fine. you got shooters on the perimeter. You put Bogey, Conley, Clarkson, you know, Ingles out there, and if they double, we're throwing it to a guy and we'll believe in our guys that they're going to make shots. Of. I mean, you, you can't be who you're not going to be or who you're not, right? They don't right. have – they don't throw it in the post to Bird and say, you know, just turn and shoot over that guy and talk trash while you're it. <laughs> <laughs>
10: As the ball's being released.
14: <laughs> <laughs> Even before. Gee, one time, one time, and this story, you've seen it on YouTube or on NBA Highlights. He literally, I'm on the bench, he literally, I know that comes as a shock to you that it wasn't in in the final 10 seconds, but he literally walked on the floor and turned to the opposing team and said, they're going to throw me the ball right here. There's not a darn thing you can do about it. I'm going to turn and shoot it on this guy's face and we're walking out of here with a win. We were on the road, and, and we, we threw the ball into him. He kind of just held it in his left side now we, with those mangled fingers, you know, kind of faked, and then just turned, shot over. kind of made it. We walked out. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in basketball. I'm <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. <sighs> anyway.
10: And you got paid for it, man. That's pretty sweet.
14: <laughs> yeah, he didn't get it paid enough. Right? He's, nope. making, he's making six million when I'm there. He's making six. Mikael two and a half. Parrish one and a half. DJ one. The rest of us peanuts. And you know, you, you weren't paying him nearly enough with how good he was.
10: <laughs> there you go. We got to run, Mike. We'll see you tonight on the broadcast. We will definitely be watching. Oh no, it's TNT. You don't do it tonight, do you?
14: Is tonight TNT?
10: Is it? I thought it was. No, it's not.
14: I, I got it. Might be. I got to check because I last I heard when we walked out, we are doing the oh, game. Oh, good.
10: Okay, cool. Yeah.
14: So, so maybe it's maybe it's the the odd one of like the TNT yeah, couplet yeah, yeah. of three games, right? And they're going to televise the two, and then we carry the other one.
10: Oh, I'm being um, t- I'm being told it's, it's NBA TV, is what it is.
14: Yeah, so we'll do it. Good. You got any message for you know Bowler or Thurl or better yet, lemma? Ulema? Yeah.
10: On the air, have him say the last name of that, that famous Hawaiian singer that went by is, I don't know if you know him. He sings that. What, I don't know who that is. Oh, but he, but he was. Oh yeah, he he he's he's deceased now. He had a B, he was way I mean way overweight, but he had a beautiful voice, and the way Alema says the guy's last name because it's got like 47 letters and and you know 32 vowels, <laughs> and Alema can and nail. Oh, he, it is perfect the way he says it. The his first All name right. was Israel, but they just call I think they called him Is. He's a, a extremely famous Hawaiian singer, beautiful beautiful voice. I just love. It's like it's like the softest, purest jump shot when Alemma says that man's last name.
14: Okay. So listen, Alemma's <laughs> I'm sure asleep right now. He's not listening to us. So on the air, I'm gonna say some superlative about Donovan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll see and I'll be like Alemma, Donovan is playing right now at such a level. It's yeah. so smooth. Yeah, it's pure. so sweet. It's not forced. Yeah. It's like that great Hawaiian singer. What's what's his name?
10: Yeah, just say his, is. His, what's his I'll, last name? I'll let, yeah, I'll let him bring it up. Oh, yeah, and the accent okay. that he just he just nails it perfectly. <laughs> it is it is All the right, purest well, form of communication when a lemma says that man's last name. He'll know it exactly. It, I guarantee it. The guy is like, big time famous like in the, the island.
14: Heavenly, the oh. heavenly or the Adamic language. All right, I'll see if I can get a lemma to say it.
10: Yeah, and you'll you'll just you. I promise you, you'll smile.
14: I'll be I'll be laughing because of this setup.
10: You're right, I know. But when he says it, or even aside from this setup, the way he says the name is so smooth. Yes, and the lemma Lemma's nothing if not smooth. Are you going to do it? So pregame or halftime?
14: Uh, I'm thinking not enough time at halftime. Right, I'm It'll thinking pregame. Pregame or postgame? It might be postgame. How about that for a tease? So okay, postgame around. is
10: fine because it's a 5 o'clock start, so I can watch all the postgame. I don't have to get to bed because i got to get up so <laughs> early. So at the 5 o'clock, I can, right. I can go to your postgame bitter end because you'll be done by 9 at the very latest. So I'll, I'll either way, postgame, pregame, it doesn't matter. All
14: right, deal. Thanks for having
10: me, guys. All right, there you go. Mike Smith, Chris Hill former Utah Athletic Director. I can see him. He's in our lounge right now, and he's just nodding because DJ's doing all the talking. Uh, But he will come in. That's why DJ isn't here right now. He will come in here in uh, about two seconds. So stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: This is Hanson Scotty.
4: Let's do it why don't we hear Kyle Whittingham's name more in these coaching searches?
9: I think there's been a lot of schools that have tried to hire Kyle Whittingham. I think that Mark Harlan who was giving him a contract extension it seems like every six months, like hey Kyle, I heard you're on the phone with USC here's uh,
4: another three year extension and then that's where it ends. You're absolutely right. So how about BYU get to that point with Kalani? Has Kalani not done enough? Is he not enough? Is he not everything that that university would want? There's a reason Kyle Whittingham's name is not Reference. It's not because he wouldn't be the best hire for that university. It's because what the university's done for him.
1: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to three on ninety-seven five 1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com.
0: DJPK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. A reminder when you go to your next Utah Jazz game, visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6. They're free puppet shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time to welcome in Dr. Chris Hill, the former Utah athletic director, now enjoying the sun. Right. Pool in the summer, golf in the fall. Right. Winter, if Will we you ski? today might help. I like to cross
13: country ski okay. and I uh, fell into something called uh, spike hiking, where if the trail is too icy, you just put some these uh, spikes on the bottom of your hiking shoes and just go out and enjoy the outdoors. There you go. Downhill skiing is done because the grandkids are too good and it's embarrassing, so (laughs) I'll stay away from that.
0: (laughs) And painful. So we wanted to have you in to talk about uh, the youths going to the Rose Bowl, uh, but not so much the short term, more the big picture, Mm -hmm. long term. And I'm curious at what point... um, It all seemed real to you like this is going to happen. The dream, all the work, we wanted to end up here, and now the Utes are ending up in the Rose Bowl. You know, there's a
13: bunch of little things that happened along the way that each of the football coaches won a big game and Mm -hmm. was a step, you know. And, uh, but we, um, and Urban and I have talked about it, when we beat Cal uh, on Alex's first game, and it was a packed house. I kind of turned, looked to Kathy and said, we can be somebody. Now, before that, when Ronnie beat uh, uh, BYU down at BYU, that was kind of a marker, yeah. if you will. And then Urban had a marker, and Kyle's obviously Alabama was a marker. But all along the way, we kind of felt that we kept, if you think about it, we kept chipping away, mm-hmm. you know. And that made it solid, so it wasn't just a fly-by-night thing. So kind of built
10: in along the way. But at the same time... Oh. What, you you got athletic director like 88 is that was it 87 87 so you get the job at that time and you're you're a young pup and you've spoken about how you know when the job if the job ever came open <laughs> your qualifications at that time weren't right. enough but nevertheless you got the job so what are you thinking in 87 as far as your football program well i
13: i tease people because i said so i'm 37 i'm uh, Irish Catholic Democrat from New Jersey and I get the job at Utah. So anything's possible. There you go. And and Richie Smith, I was just talking the other day because we were reminiscing and uh, the first big fundraising thing I did for the, we were building this football complex. It's not even close to yeah. what it is now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I went in there and sweating bullets and gave my speech and how we're going to be great, how we're going to do this. And Richie said, You know, we love the university. When we left, he said, We love the university, but that guy's a little crazy.
6: <laughs>
13: and now we laugh about it. Cause, and I left, and that was the, I always tease somebody. Richie disagrees, but he wouldn't. I said, uh, I left the thing and asked for a million dollars. To say a million dollars was really hard, a m- m- million. <laughs> and then I walked out, and they didn't flinch. I said, damn, I should have said two million. million. <laughs> and they called the next day and said, we're in. Yeah. I'm like, going, damn, I made a mistake <laughs> on that one early on. But yeah, I think I was pretty delusional from the start. I was
0: really confident and in my own kind of quiet way. So I uh, had Ron McBride on TV and was asking a similar set of questions, and as much as People go to games and seasons. He said, if he had to pick one thing, mm-hmm. he thought it was building the stadium because there's just a permanence to that that elevates the program the way you know players come and go and coaches come and go. <clears throat> but the stadium, it just it it just made it possible to schedule differently and recruits look at you differently. And so, if you come in in '87, I think the stadium opens a decade later. So, how long did it take? You're asking a million for the facility, and you had to get that facility built to get the football coaches out of the basketball arena, because you were behind at that point. Oh, jeez. Yeah, right? Yeah, that was not a great look. And they all were
13: in the same locker room. Oh, my gosh. That's what we laugh about each generation comes back, Mm -hmm. because like Jordan Gross will say... I can't believe these guys don't get it. And then you'll get <laughs> a year later, and somebody wow. come back. So I, we, that facility, I mean, you got all TVs and all. So it was kind of a building process, but it was kind of fun. Yeah.
0: So was the stadium realistic to you right from the get-go? Was that with the day you get hired? Was that on the list? Like I got to do a stadium? Yep. Yeah,
13: absolutely, with or without uh, the Olympics, because that was the hardest fundraiser I ever did. Because everybody thought the Olympics paid for the whole thing, yeah, or Eccles paid for the whole thing, and you know the. Uh, Eccles gave us their their ten million million, one of their biggest gifts ever. But they, the guys borrow $52 million, They and say, go get them, Tiger. And uh, the Olympics gave us $7 million, but it was three years later. But everybody thought they built it. So that was the hardest fundraising. So uh, that was a really stressful time. But we all knew we had to do it. All knew. And, you know, it just had to happen. There was no option. For sure. When it happened, okay. you know, the, as soon as it could possibly happen, we need to do it. You know, but you know, you start off at a big stadium like that, and you have some empty seats. That's tough on selling tickets. You know, but when we got that one game I told you about, everybody got on fire. Yeah, I remember the game very well. Yeah, it was, I, Urban and I both. Was agree it that Thursday was the most, or Friday night? I don't know. It was the most important game yeah. we think we had in just two years.
10: And then that's you funny. talked about Alex Smith, and on the other side it was a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> isn't
13: that funny? We people don't get that, and then you know, we all know the story. Alex got number one draft choice, and Aaron was sitting in a green room with yeah. nothing. And now, Aaron is what Alex had a really nice career, he had a know? fine career, he had a wonderful career. People know don't, don't yeah, Aaron,
10: Aaron Rodgers Hall of Fame, yeah. Uh, I always tell this story of how far I've seen the program come. I mean, I have to admit, I'm not coming to Utah, I come up uh, born in Jersey myself, moved to Arizona, working in California. I come up here. Um, because it was enticing for the idea to cover someone by the name of Rick Majerus, which we could go about 25 hours on that one. Um, <laughs> I got a bunch of stories I'm trying to figure out what to do. I wrote
13: down a bunch of them. I'm trying to figure out what to do with them.
10: Yeah, yeah and I certainly have, uh, as you know, cover working for the yeah, newspaper. You do. Yeah. you do. And I can remember in the early years, uh, I'm, you guys have a basketball game, it's a non conference game in December. It's right around when bowl time is being announced. And you remember, the, uh, you walk in those doors, and your, your office is to the left. The other folks are down to the right. And they had a little table where I would come up from downstairs and write my story. So I would set, yeah, up, I in that that, yeah. area, set up in that area. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting, I walk in, getting the computer set up, and you had just gotten the uh, call or some type of information that you guys were going to go to the Vegas Bowl. And you came out of the office, and you were you were just on cloud nine, yeah, man. Yeah. And you had to walk by me to walk down that hall to tell your folks, and you could just see you were so excited yeah. that Utah's going to the, to the Vegas Bowl. I
6: mean, oh, yeah. <laughs>
13: well, it's kind of funny because that was the, I hope I do this right, because I have a hard time with all the bowls now, even when I was there. And uh, that was the first one we earned. Yeah. Okay. We went to the bowl uh, in Arizona. Tucson. And yeah. I'm on a, Thursday night, talking to my, one of my mentors, Fred Milne, he says, you just got to buy more money. You got to give them more money. Buy more tickets, even if you're not going to sell them. And I'm going, oh, gosh, and here I am. I'm making a quarter million dollar decision on Thanksgiving night. Next day, I met with some donors. said, we got we to pay $250,000 more to go. And we didn't, you know, we earned it, but, you know, we were six and six. Yeah, but anyway, I mean that was the Vegas one was one where I skipped out of the office. Right, I, right, I yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, guys, we earned this. One. Yeah. They're, they're asking us because we earned it." And right. That's what's so cool about the bowls along the way the last fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fun.
0: Chris Hill, joined us in studio, former Utah athletic director. So uh, when you look at the the jump to the Pac-12. Did it seem bigger at the time, or is it a thing you look back in retrospect and think, well, we did it because we had to do it. But, man, looking back, that was that was a bigger jump than we knew. That was gigantic. I always tell people
13: now we, we jumped the Grand Canyon. You know, if you look at it, and we, you know, we worked really hard. Uh, we kind of knew who we were. You know, we knew that Colorado had to get in, Texas had to not want it, and we had to be dressed up and ready to go and make it easy for them, you know, and I don't know if this day and age with the politics around here, if we could have jumped so quick. But that, you know, we worked so hard. But it was gigantic. It was, it was the changer in the program, I think. And no for question. the long term. No for question. the long term. I mean, it was, you know, every part of it was, was good. And the, fa- and the faculty, you know, there's, there's a lot of research done on, you know, the Ivy League and the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You are the company you keep. If you do that thing, you say, I'm going to name a school for you. You name me the other one. Yale, Harvard. Oh, for sure. Because I play football. Tufts is a great school. It's in the same area. And so, you know, when you start to say Stanford and Utah together, it kind of is a fun thing for people.
10: So even at that point, I want to ask you about your vision of Utah going in from the athletic standpoint. Because I can recall... Talking to you and you were saying that going forward here when we were before it was all about conference titles And kid could, could you win? in mm-hmm. volleyball and whatnot and you said hey now that we're gonna go into this conference Using volleyball as an example that we could finish eighth and still yeah, right. <laughs> Go to the incident whereas before you couldn't do that at all it just wasn't feasible in in, in the wax slash Mountain West days and so uh, your vision of success for the athletic program in the Pac-12 at that point, to me, I agree with you is an ultimate game changer. And I and I tell this story: I was in the restroom at Sun Devil Stadium covering a game. You guys were down there playing, and Pac-12 uh, official walks in, and I introduce myself, and he's, "We just love having the Utes in the conference because we know guys like you." Have made it such a big deal in some places in the conference. You know, we're so far down in the pecking order of uh, Media attention whereas us we're talking mm. college football 12 months out mm. of the year It's because there's not 13 months and we're <laughs> and, and you know, we're we're talking everything Related to the program and that just doesn't happen. So I thought and, I, and I'm getting a little long here That's too. Okay. Uh First year that the conference tournament was in Vegas, which I think was like the second year for basketball. Yeah. So right off to the when you go in, there was like a media room there to pick up credentials. And at that point, Utah basketball wasn't very good. And I'm speaking to another guy and he says to me, oh, man. We're so excited to have mm-hmm. the Utes in here, but at the same time, we know, okay, they're down now, but they're gonna be down mm-hmm. forever because there's so much passion. Yeah. So, in my mind, listening to these people, I thought, hey, this transition it's gonna be a little maybe a little rough early, but give it a little time, and it is going to take off. What was your vision at the time, two thousand and ten, as you rolled into the conference in two thousand eleven?
13: you know as as an a d you're you're sitting there going, okay, what expectations do you tell your staff? And are they disappointed or are they not? You know, every coach I vividly remember going and visit, with every quarter I would visit with all the coaches in football, what do you expect? Well, you know, going off, we want to be somebody. We always say we don't want to just be in the league. We want to be somebody. And uh, I said, guys, you know, if you get in the middle of the league, we're going to go to bowl games, and, and then they're disappointed. I said, guys, wait a minute. If I came in uh, 10 minutes later and said, I expect us to win championship right now and go to bowl game, they'd say, this guy's nuts. Yeah. You know. So for me, it was... Uh, two, two things, I mean, if I can get back to the the whole banners and stuff in the arena and what we promoted. But it was just a, an, an opportunity to say, OK, it was this was fun. We'd sit down and say, OK, what do we want out of this team? What, what would be good? And then I went and told the university administration, we're going into debt the first time. I'm not going to let football and basketball and gymnastics and women's basketball and volleyball, at least I listed those, to not have the resources, we had enough against us because no disparaging comment to the players we had in the program, but they were Mountain West players. Sure, and you had to transition them out. Right. So I exactly. Said, uh, and our football facility from a, a sixteen million dollar project became thirty-two. You know, so we had to really ramp it up. But the fans were, you know, obviously into it, and they knew. And we just, as a staff, said, "Hey, we got to be somebody. We just can't be down in the bottom because if you establish yourself as somebody." And then we just get building on that. And uh, my expectations, getting back to the story about the volleyball team, I said, let's take down all the banners everywhere that are league championships. And let's just put NCAA stuff, because that's what you do now. I mean, you can come in fourth in a league like I think Arizona did years ago when they won the Nash, yeah, national championship. I fifth. <laughs> so you don't want people walking in there and, uh, and um, saying, geez, when was the last time we won a league championship? geez, let's yeah, see. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Cal has a banner up from 1950s about football. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it seems so. And I thought that's our goal. Our goal is to get in postseason play and do some damage. That's what I used to say. You know, uh, I The advantage of being there for a while when this all happened is I didn't have to put together some 80-page, five-year plan. You know, I was able to kind of put it together in regular terms, so we didn't have to spend a lot of time making a five-year plan that would impress everybody else. Uh-huh. You know, we, it's pretty simple. Now we had all the th- we, we would have a list of all the facilities that we needed to improve, and we had deadlines on them. And you said, if we don't do this, we're got to do this financially, or we got to do this. And and so I'm being long-winded, but it was a, a long, fun process uh, for me personally, and it gave everybody like, wow. We're in the big time. We somebody which somebody uh, the late Cleone Eccles. I'll never forget. And she was one of the most wonderful ladies, and she walked into one of our facilities and said, "Wow, this is us."
6: Yeah, because
13: this is us. This is before obviously the Pac-12, but we worked hard at it. But it was fun.
0: Chris Hill, former Utah Athletic Director, joining us in studio. He's going to stay with us for a little while. Coming up in the next segment, we'll talk to him about three big coaching hires that shaped the football program over 30 years. Mm-hmm. The long climb from the bottom or middle of the whack mm-hmm. to the Rose Bowl. We'll talk coaching hires with Chris Hill next. Stay with us. Not good.
4: This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell
13: of a job we have with us Evan Dudley the UAB beat writer anything you feel about the game who's gonna win it
8: first thought I probably had to go with BYU obviously they had a great season uh you know better Pac-12 record than half the Pac-12 they beat the <laughs> Pac-12 champion you know head to head but I think BYU uh probably the better talented better team but UAB is also a team that gets the most out of its players they're gonna play physically and they're gonna try to give themselves a chance there in the second half against a really good team
1: it's unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLsports.com.
0: It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save 1400 bucks. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Chris Hill, join us in studio. Former Utah Athletic Director. A little memory lane stuff. (laughs) How do you get from the bottom or middle of the whack, depending on the year, but Mm -hmm. that's where the program was in the 70s and 80s. You get hired in 87, and here it is 35 years later, and Utah is in the Rose Bowl. So a lot of things happened, and when I asked Mac, you know, he went straight to the stadium, but a coach isn't going to say, hey, these coaching hires have been something, right? Right. I mean, there's some things you're just not going to say, but I think the rest of us can say, hey, these coaching hires have been something. Mm -hmm. You can clearly see how every one of these last three coaches was the right person at the right time, elevated the program, and accomplished important stuff along the way. I'm curious, was there ever a time when you were hiring those coaches that you that you almost went to somebody else or didn't think this person would come? I mm-hmm. mean, were they all slam dunks, or could anyone or multiple of them fallen apart? I guess we know about Kyle because that played yeah. out publicly with BYU, but I'm I'm curious about elsewhere. Yeah, the Urban thing, you know, that was... Until he got off the plane
13: and signed his contract, I, I was still petrified. You know, I mean, he came in. I don't know if I told you guys his story, but we go visit him, three coaches in uh, Denver in the airport with Bernie Matchin. And, you know, we leave and we say, OK, well, you know, Urban's our guy, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, we were still pl- supposed to go visit Joe Glenn in Montana. And uh, you guys raise your hand if it's boring, okay? Because no, we can we're move good to something else, yeah. okay? So, so we say, all right, we got to go. And we said, Irving, we got to have you come out on Sunday or Monday. And he goes, geez, I, I can't because I've got to go to uh, something in New York that honored uh, Earl Bruce or something, and something like that. And uh, so Bernie and I say, okay, we're gonna fly to uh, Montana and talk to Joe, and and then um, the it's fogged in, we can't go. So uh, Bernie and I say, well, let's let's get some breakfast. So we went to breakfast place and I go home. I think, man, this is the time in coaching. You have no responsibility right now. Nobody, everybody, you know, there's nothing I have to do. I'm going to take my son to go to a movie. You know, I walk in the door and Kathy goes, red alert, red alert. I'm going,
6: (laughs) going, what the hell hell is
13: this? (laughs) And she goes, Urban's coming out. And he called up and I told him, you're his number one prospect. And I said, Well, yeah, but that didn't help my negotiation. Yeah. Here. <laughs> that kinda of put me in a tough position. But at that time he you know, they, they didn't really have he didn't have really a big time lawyer. So it was more he and I and then we of course worked through the night with his lawyer to get the contract. The late John Morris were sitting in a hotel on a Tuesday, but he's got to tell his team on a Wednesday. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And I'm going, Oh God, what are you gonna do? And uh you know, I've had other friends since then. In fact, Urban with Notre Dame was an interesting story. But so Urban was scary. We all know Kyle was seven o'clock was no. I said, you know, I'll go find a coach now. And and uh, I still think Utah's going to have better athletes than BYU. I just feel that. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, give me a little bit of time. And he call back at nine o'clock. And he's coming. Ronnie was a little bit different because we didn't have his attractive job. Yeah. And each coach we hired, we kind of needed something different each time to improve the program and, and we all know Mac had a great relationship with uh, the different segments of the population sure. of recruits yeah, you gotcha. know i would say you know uh, he he had a great relationship with polynesians and he kind of understood uh, the lds thing. Sure. you know he would, yeah. he took players early on that i'm not so sure were good enough for the program but he could prove at least i didn't even even talked to him at. so he might not have thought that far but i kept thinking yeah you take some of these guys and maybe they're not as good but then you can prove to the really good ones that you're on your way back. So, the hardest thing is letting somebody go. I mean, we're down against BYU forty-nine to nothing with five forty-two to go in the second quarter. My dad's there from New Jersey, and he's going, "This is a pile of you know what." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I think to our fans now, nobody will remember that. But you imagine us being down forty-nine to nothing to freaking even the you know Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the right now. <laughs> and we're sitting there so. I let Fossil go, and I'm just getting a hell beat out of him. And you know, and, I, and you, you just don't hear from the people that agreed with what you do. Right. You know, it, 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 those people are silent, and that's why some of the people in the department were so warm and wonderful about it. But. Man, I call my dad, and he goes, "Why don't you just move back? How do you deal with these people? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's about winning, Chris. What the hell's going on?" And yeah. so that was kind of a start. And then hmm. McBride was, uh, you know, not as hard because he really wanted to be here, and we didn't have the resources to really go get somebody else. So each one had a story. Each one kind of made, you know. Ronnie got us good players and it and beat BYU, yeah. realistic. That was know. so important, and I don't know that that oh.
0: registers with people now. But no, that, was, that, that and Juergenson field goal. Once is a fluke, but three in a row yeah, four, sets 90, it apart four, from yeah. the win in the 70s and the win in the 80s. Yeah, I told Ronnie
13: oh, about two years ago, and I don't want to be disparaging any BYU fans, but we beat him at home twice, and what they used to do is they used to have their senior blanket award. Afternoon. Right after the game, they were so confident. Right. And then we beat them in 94, and our band's going crazy, and we beat them in 96. And they really did have to change it. So we, we helped change their tradition. Not that we did it, you know, I, I thought it was rude that we would be playing during that. But, but I think, you know, beating BYU at BYU was a marker. You know, and then three in a row was a real marker. And, uh, and one of our plans was to, hey, let's see if we can split with BYU. Because when I got the job, we were 2-18 and 18 over the last two decades. And they weren't close games. Yeah. You know? So, anyway, and Urban, you know, showed us what big time is, you know. And Kyle just took the toughest job. When you follow somebody like what Urban did, I mean, that's a tough job. And he had his waterloo where it almost fell apart. But, you know, he's done, obviously, he's done a great job.
10: Yeah, I think one of the things that you deserve a lot of credit for is after you got into the Pac-12 yeah, the first season and they were able to be successful. I think he won eight games. The division wasn't very good and then he goes five and seven the next two years. And, you know, I, I talked to him like uh, after the the second, the I think the last game that went five and seven and I talked to him like f- five hours later and he had no energy. I mean he was just rock bottom. I mean, these people take this so hard and I'm sure you know that too. You've seen it in these coaches. And I mean he couldn't even muster a sentence. I said, I'll talk to you later. It's like six hours after the game. Yeah. And then you did not let him go. I wonder in today's world how much pressure there would be on the A D and the university to let a coach go who went two, five and sevens, and it doesn't look like we have no idea what's ahead. How did you deal with that? What was going on at that time? Because two five and sevens at the same time. I can't tell you the number of people. I got a ton of youth fans in my oh, neighborhood. Yeah. They want me to pay this. They keep increasing the price. The, I'm not doing it. That's it. This is the last season. And yeah, right. I mean, if I had a buck for every time my neighbor, this is the last season. Instead of like five, now, they don't say it. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> right. But at the time, there was all this stuff going on. How difficult was it to stay the course? Well, you know, um,
13: well, not really that difficult. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I didn't. I, I, I didn't want to pull the trigger, although I was getting a lot of pressure, both internally and externally. But after the game, I walked. In. <laughs> this is what I loved. Before we got into Pac-12, you didn't have as much bureaucracy. Once we got into Pac-12, everybody was on the bandwagon. Everybody wanted to be a part of the decisions, and a lot, some things are simple you know they're not i always tell somebody if if a coach walked into my office and resigned would i be happy sad or a static you know i thought about well, con i think he he needs a chance but after the game and he looked at me like why are you telling me this i walked in on there forget because i never was down on the sideline during the game i would come I down after and i right. didn't want to be in the i didn't stay in the locker room when I they you presented didn't. things yeah i waited in the hallway right and he comes out and i said and "I said we're gonna be fine don't worry about it don't listen to anybody we'll be fine so at that moment and he looked at me like what do you mean i'll be fine you know uh and we we're fine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know?
13: and he had his Waterloo. I think that's the year we lost twenty-seven to nothing at UNLV.
10: Right. That,
0: that was his, that was before. That, that was, was his Waterloo. Mountain, that was his Mountain West Waterloo, and which was also was
10: yeah. was something that was important mm-hmm. that he rebounded from. Right. So, he's, so he's had like two reboundings.
13: Yeah, and and I think that you you got to be realistic, and we were realistic. And and Kyle, you know, I had a lot of faith that he. Uh, he knew football, and he was tough. He is tough. He is tough. And, uh, you know, I just hung with it. You know, I thought it was simple. A lot of people didn't, but I thought it was simple. So, so you I was, saw,
10: excuse me, Dave, you saw something in him? Well, that, yeah, I, I didn't see this. I didn't see the Rose Bowl.
13: <laughs> but I thought he could be in the top three or four of the league. You know, and the way we were recruiting and all that stuff. I, I always <clears throat> thought that we weren't a national program we wanted to become national and we started to get some kids from national places you know florida and other places and and i thought you know we're improving our recruiting so you know it it was it was hard but not as hard as other things i had to do
0: okay so the the two times the program has not been in a glorious spot under Kyle at the start he's after that vegas loss he's 16 and 13 right and he's trying to follow the man, which is hard. And I don't know if people remember, but the roster really emptied out after the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> yes, the it covered got real bare. Yeah. So did. that was part of it. But at the same time, you're wondering, oh, is this? Re-? I remember asking PK after that, like, is this really going to work? I remember, I remember work? that. I remember that's yeah, procedure. it was at the end of a show. Is this really going to work? Like, don't play radio. And and he was like, fifty fifty. I can see it working, but I can also see where it doesn't. But then compared to the Pac-12, I thought in the Pac-12. The two, five, and sevens weren't great. No. But there no. were a bunch of games where they weren't that far away. Right. And they were, he was talking about Pac 12 athletes and it's changing. Right. And you could, that's a, that's a thing I remember out, now. I remember it. that now that we really weren't fully equipped. I didn't think the Pac 12, that quote unquote slump, was I don't want to say it wasn't a big deal because it's a big deal, but it it didn't strike like it's six. When you're 16 wins and 13 losses in the Mountain West, and you're in your third right. year, and Vegas smokes you, yeah. we follow enough programs that we know other programs. Have taken left turn and headed south, head. south at that point. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I that was a scary time because I
13: thought to myself, man, what happens if this continues? Yeah, uh, you know we're in trouble, right? You know, but I, I think that we had some good stuff going on there and uh, different kind of recruits coming in, and you know, one of our scheduling things, which you guys always rip me about, <laughs> is, <laughs> is I, I made sure that we were three and zero. Going into the oh, yeah, you're have. three and oh, no matter who you play, <laughs> uh-huh. you're in the top 20. No matter who you play, you look at it, look at it next year. We go to the Alabama, and not no disparaging. To, we played Weber State and had a tough game. So, Kyle, if you look at his record, he's like what, like 30 and one in non conference, you know. And we thought, you know, you give him three wins to get started, 30 and two. Oh, well, this year. This year. Oh, that's right. Forgot. BYU and Utah State. We we forgot that one, game. I, right I forgot that one. But- oh, three. San Diego State <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three, so yeah. anyway, he he got a start on that to help mitigate how tough the league was and we had to so the you know, if we could go to bowl games when we were in the Pac-12 early on, that kind of even though the record was would you have to be 3 and 6 to be 6 and 6. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you get if you get 3 wins uh and who thought I uh, I who thought we'd beat BYU that many times in a row? Uh I don't know, maybe we did. But anyway, it was um a good way of also mitigating some of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: All right, one more segment with Chris Hill. We will do that next. Stay with us. The former Utah Athletic Director talking about the, the climb from the bottom or middle of the whack to the Rose Bowl. More with Chris Hill in a moment. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help you clean up before and after the festivities. Keep your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801 288 9376 or booking online at zeroressawlake.com or if you're up north at zeroresdavisweber.com. All right, we've been talking with uh, Chris Hill, memory lane stuff as the Utes build uh, over the course of 30 or 35 years from the uh, middle or bottom of the whack to the Rose Bowl. And so uh, I guess your, your plans for the Rose Bowl here. Oh, are you kidding me? I get to, this is going to be my favorite bowl.
13: The rest of the bowls, I had to uh, had to work and worry, and all that stuff. Now I just get I got 24 tickets we bought. Uh, you know, my brother's coming from New Jersey for like a 24-hour visit, and you know, I just it's just going to be fun. I'm just going to have pure fun. Root for the Utes. You know, they fumble. like and bitch a little bit and do this and do that. <laughs> and, and but I, it, it feels so good to be, have been a part of it. You know, I mean, it's not me. It's all the way along the line. We we're talking earlier. Everybody in the staff bought in to mm-hmm. the steps we were going to make. We had to look each other eye and say, "All right, we're going to beat BYU at least two or three times out of five years." You know, and that today now I said, "Oh, is that your goal?" I said, "No." At that point in time, that was a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. If we realistic to put that as a goal, you know. And, you know, BYU helped us a lot because of their facilities and the passion for our people trying to. And then we got into Pac-12, and then it became nuts. For sure. You know, it went crazy. It was great
10: crazy. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to being down there in Pasadena. To me, you know, I, I used to work in the L.A. market, so I have experience with the Rose Bowl. But, and I've said this for years, for, for you fans, if you can afford it, because I don't discount the oh, cost. Oh, it's expensive. Exactly. Right. And, and, yeah, so I don't, I don't make light of that, because I didn't grow up with much money. I'm doing fine now, but back then, uh, certainly not as a kid. So uh, the overwhelming amount of pride you're going to have for university, mm-hmm. when you see that team run out of that tunnel, yeah. it's going to be... I was there, I saw your eyes when you watched 50,000 people pour into Sun Devil Stadium. I was yeah. looking right at you, yeah. Yeah. you and Liz Abel, and you, both of you were beaming, mm-hmm. as you should have been, because it was an incredible sight, and uh, Sun Devil Stadium is right next to heaven, I think. It's so high up, so you've got that, and <laughs> you can see people you know, feeding know, well, the Well, once a year, there's a good game there, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ah, <laughs> nice. Bingo. Nice. <laughs> I, I'll let you have that. Um, but I think this is going to um. supersede anything. And the amount of pride that this university is going to have when that team runs out there in the Rose Bowl – with what I call the San Gabes in the background. And God's a Rose Bowl fan, because it's always 65, 70 degrees oh, that day.
13: I think people move from the East Coast to the West Coast
0: because of the Rose Bowl. You turn <laughs> it on, you'd be freezing. Yeah. Tell him the story, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's My 10 problem. years old, and he looks at that, and he's like, it's the middle of the afternoon. The sun is at right. 70 degrees. They take a shot. Everybody's in shirt sleeves. Yeah. Everybody's smiling. I can't go out, because if I shoot I'm baskets growing in, in the, the driveway... i up in County, New Jersey. Yeah, he shoots <laughs> baskets in the driveway, the ball's wet, his fingers are icy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just it's like... That's heaven. What am I doing here? Later in life, I'm getting there. I'm ten I'm years old, Chris, there.
10: and I literally had that thought in Persephone, yeah. New Jersey, thinking there's a place like that in our country. Yeah, that I can go to. I'm going. Yeah. Well, it, you know,
13: you weren't the long ranger, and you know, it's uh, you know one of those things where one of the guys when we went to the championship, the Final Four um tradition has it that you'll call a couple ADs before there and say, hey, what what'd you do? What were the big things? They said, make sure you do one thing. Go on that court, take a breath, and look around because it's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and I can't wait to go to Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and just sit there and watch the team
10: come out and say – this is us. You got to I mean, feel a sense of pride because you played a significant factor in this. You're not there now, yeah, but you're still
13: there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm st- now. I think I'm the grandfather of the group. Sure, yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It feels good, but it's. You know, I hope you guys don't take it as me patting myself on the back. It's just, you know, so much everybody and so much, but it was fun. I mean, there were a lot of risks along the way, but at the same time, we had really good people, good coaches all the time. And
10: good support from everybody. And that coaching thing going forward, Kyle's not going to be there forever. And the goal is to have a program that is competing each year. And you look at—I think I totaled it up—since the Utes have been in the Pac-12, just the South Division, counting Lincoln Riley's had 21 coaches, and Utah's had one. So 21 to one. And but there's going to be a time here at some point in the future, whether it's near or the next whatever years, when Kyle Whittingham steps aside. I I think. That if the program's in a good spot, which I anticipated being, that you need a Utah guy in there. Because Kyle, when he took that job, and I talked to him that night mm-hmm. of that uh, BYU-Utah yeah. thing. I was on the phone with him yeah. and going back and forth. And and I actually said, man, I think you, you're a Utah guy. And uh, he ended up obviously doing what he did. Uh, I think they should go in that same direction so you're not getting in a situation of what Oregon's in. Oregon's a premier
0: national program. But what would you say, DJ? Four, four coaches co- in 10 years, five coaches in 15. Mm-hmm. Bilotti had a 14-year run. But since then, wow. three coaches have done four years. Helfrich got fired. The other two took off after their years. So, so what's did. your thought on that?
13: Well, you know, um, <laughs> this is going to sound... Su- whoever you hire, are they really good? Yeah, that's the question. That's yeah. the leader. That's priority and, number one. For think, sure. Yeah. And I think, and I'm, I'm not saying it's any other way. If somebody from within is the best, go do that. Uh, and do it quickly. Uh, But if you still think there's things out there, you you need the best coach. I always felt that, um, you know, I told you where I'm from, and, you know, I'm the antithesis of Salt Lake City, but it didn't take me long to integrate myself there, and I wasn't a Utah guy by even close. I didn't know whether Colorado or Utah, which one was further east and (laughs) west, and all that stuff when I came out here. So uh, I'm kind of... You know, I know a lot of guys in the staff, and you know who we're talking about. I don't want them to feel like I don't think that should happen, but just make sure that you feel this is the best coach.
10: Right,
11: well, but I. I and make think them
10: stay. Do what you can to make them stay. See, I think that necessi- not necessarily the best coach is the best coach for Utah. Right, does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah, it makes total sense. We have a formula for recruiting. So I,
13: I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, so I'm kind of. Uh, playing both sides of the defense, which I think you do with coaching, because you don't know who the people are. And I, having been in the business so long, I'm always so sensitive about people's names and stuff being thrown out there because it can ruin people's career. The formula
0: yeah. for recruiting, I think, is yeah. really important. That's so important. And, and we haven't gone All into stuff that's gone wrong in the last thirty years. We're staying very positive oh, okay. here today. Oh yeah, that was just me. But the, but the stuff that went wrong with ba- <laughs> with basketball. <laughs> okay, but with basketball, Rick had a formula, and I don't think anybody's really tried to recreate that formula. And he had a a really specific formula, and it worked. Well, uh, you, do, you know, he was a savant. People always ask yeah. who
13: was better, Whittingham or uh, Urban or Majerus, and I don't know the answer to that to this day. Majerus. What was more fun working with, that's an easy <laughs> question to answer. Majerus's problem is he was too smart. I tell you what, and you say his formula. I, I don't know his formula. He, had, he could go over, I know this is about football, so we'll be real quick. He could go over every single play in the game.
10: But as Every it was a play. projector. Every, if it, he, yes. He had yes. a projector. I would sit there in the press room. In my early days, I would try to question him it, but then he'd be on like, I'd miss like the next seven plays because I'm trying to recall one. And it was like he was looking at a film of the game and the rest of us were looking at the wall. Yeah. His mind was just yeah. this the This
13: applies to all sports. And I, I've told everybody this. Define everybody's role. He was ruthless with that. What do you mean I'm not a three-point? Well, he made Drew Hansen feel like when he set a screen for Keith Van Horn that he was a better player than Keith, you know. And a lot of coaches don't really do that as much because that makes for good team play. You're not sitting there saying, "Well, if I go to a game off the bench and I go three for three, 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 I'm going to now be the star." No, not with Rick. No, no not no. with Rick. And so that's the same thing in football. I think I think Kyle's been a good job at taking people from the offense, put them on defense or vice, and they know their role. And then there's camaraderie. There's not. And so I don't know if you can do that again now in certain places. You know, we were talking off the air. What, what do you mean I'm not, not going to play if I don't play defense? You got to be kidding me. They call their AAU coach and say, well, let's get in a portal if they're going to make defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be kidding. It's Alan Iverson. You are talking defense? Yeah, 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 You know, and I think it's hard. I don't know. Rick couldn't have survived in these days, I don't think, because,
0: you know, so you know I had for another, a lot of reasons. I had another <laughs> member of the media tell me that for a lot, not for every coach, but for a lot of coaches, both football and basketball, that the combination of the transfer portal and the NIL, they're just going to be like, no. What do you mean? They're not going to want coach? I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I think people that have made their mark, made their
13: money, right. they're going to say, you know, this is crazy. And mm-hmm. and I, I think the portal's more um, uh, uprooting things than actually the NIL. I really do. The portal's more disruptive. Mm-hmm. I think so. Because the NIL, I mean, you're going to get guys that can make a lot of money in this and that. but, And they say people are going to cheat. But, you know, now it's just
10: out in the open. You know, it's nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no <laughs> question. And we all know stories of cheating. Uh, looking from the Pac-12 perspective of the football playoff, what do you think will benefit the Pac-12 the most with any type of change to the playoff format? Uh, the at League championships. League champions have to go. Automa- automatic.
13: That's it. Whatever formula they come up with, that's what the Pac-12 needs. And so, how many of that? Five?
0: Uh, five right now, yeah.
13: So it so,
10: could
0: grow. I've heard two plans. One is 12-team playoff, the, and the original plan was the six highest-ranked league champs, and then the next six teams, regardless of whether I'm, I'm they're champs or not. That. But now it's 12, the Power Five, one G5, and the next six. I think there's only one season where there's an example of – two G5s get in front of a Power 5 and squeeze it out. And that's last year when Oregon, off a five or six game schedule, as a second place team in division, Washington can't go and then Oregon wins the game. So it seems like there's very little risk to the Power 5s and yet they're unwilling to take it. Is it really good for college football to have a Power 5 and a G5? Wouldn't it just be better just I mean, it's realistically because of money. That's how well, it's going to uh, be most of the time, anyway. Is, yeah. the the
13: pro, The problem is that basketball's regular season means nothing now, and so uh, football, if you winning the league championship, doesn't mean something in November. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. There's all the other bowl games you go to, but you know I feel. I don't think they're motivating factors to go to some, you know, wheat eater something bowl. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it could diminish the regular season if you don't have the hope.
10: Of winning your league championship means you go to the biggest of bigs. Mm-hmm. I think it can enhance the regular season because then you could have you don't need to worry about going three and zero. So you could potentially, I mean, for confidence' mm-hmm. sake, play tougher issue. teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the non-conference exactly schedule what can do. be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm.
13: Yeah, and right now I, I think they're doing a good job of playing tougher teams right now because you know they're playing a couple of non-conferences. But it's a sensitive thing. But if you're league champion. Can be guaranteed to
0: go to one to the playoff. You play anybody you want. I agree.
6: I anybody got to go that
4: they got to mm-hmm. go that
0: is. Yeah. Uh, is Utah at a point now? You were talking earlier about how Chris Hill joined us, former Utah athletic director, that when you went into the Pac-12, you wanted three games. Where in a bad year you're two and one, mm-hmm. but in most years you're three and zero.
13: Right. That's exactly. And That's we how said you set one, it up th- for
0: a decade. Mm-hmm. But now there's a home and home with Florida. Yeah, and BYU is on the verge of being a Big 12 opponent here. Mm-hmm. Not, you know By the time they come mm-hmm. back on the schedule, they will be. And there's been talk of this alliance, so I don't know if they're going to keep an SEC game with Arkansas or if that's going to end up evaporating, mm-hmm. and they're going to play a Big 10 or ACC opponent. Is the program at a place where that's okay and manageable, that everyone's going to be playing 10, quote-unquote, Power 5 opponents? Yeah, as, as long as you
13: have a chance to win your league and go. But if you don't, if you're, if you're a Pac-12 school and you lose a non-conference game, I think oh, Oregon did that a year ago. Or a couple years, two ago. years ago, yeah, and, and you, you know, is anybody going to go through nine league games undefeated? No one has. So yet. then you got yeah. a two-loss Pac-12 team going against a two-loss SEC team. You're never going to win that, you know. So the the reality is, oh, you yeah, you're win talking that. about
10: that, that from the committee standpoint.
13: Yeah, I, I skipped two paragraphs on that. Yeah, one. I, I know what you mean. Okay, thank you. And so, uh, you know, now it's if they can do that, you can play anybody. And, right. and you know, mentioned, I'm. And this sounds really strange. I am really glad BYU's using in the Big Twelve, really, because it makes it just better, you know, for us. With uh, there's no brainer now scheduling because they're in the same deal, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that's really good. They're they're going to have their league schedule when they have it. They're going to open, you know. So uh, although I know they missed somebody the year they played Florida. But being in the Big 12, uh, I'm biased because I love the Pac-12 and the cities we play and all that stuff. And I don't want to go to Lubbock and all those uh, places. I hear you. But I, I think that really helps the whole uh, anxiety in the state sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a— if you have to cut off anything, you might want to do that because <laughs> I always, somehow I'm just oh, that makes sense. I'm old for twenty when I talk about another school. No, <laughs> I'm just I'm,
0: I'm in last place. The thing we've learned talking about Utah and BYU is that if you say something about positive about one school, you're going to get blasted by the other fan base. And if you say something negative about a school, then you're going to get blasted by that fan base. Right. So if you talk about the Jazz, possibly. Possibly, you can say something that will make you positive, make it make the audience feel positively about you. Right. But if you're talking about Utah <laughs> and BYU, somebody he didn't say anything that wasn't some, right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But yeah. you know, oh yeah, if somebody's but, gonna say, "What are you doing? We had it right yeah, where we yeah. wanted it, Chris." Happy. Yes. You know. So yes. Exactly. So it's kind of
13: one where I, I decided that I have a I have a learning disability with talking. Well, about well, that way. If you're gonna
10: play them, and then if you should happen to lose to them, well, it's, it's not a, that r- big of a deal. Right. Big they're one. on the same level, yeah. and, and, and if you beat at. them, it's a bigger deal
13: because they're on the same level. Yeah, but that makes people angry when you say which level somebody's at. Yeah, you know, if all of a sudden you're playing, so well, it's at a lower level. Oh my God, the phone goes off the hook. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know, but yeah. you got to look at it realistically. There's got to be some truth involved. Yeah, but anyway, but it's you know it's a you know been an interesting interesting ride, that's for sure, and you know I'm pleased that when you leave someplace, you want it to be better and keep going. You did. And, and that's really, you know, I think that's the mark of what you can feel good about. And I'm talking about all the people I work with. You know, you mentioned Liz and, you know, the Marsdens. their all adds up to, like, you know, but, and, and maybe
0: maybe a step further, because doing live shots for TV and doing post-game shows when I was doing radio at UC Santa Barbara, you see how many people break an arena down after a game? Like, the number of people that it takes to do this day in and day out. And the people who aren't front-facing, but they still got to be good. I mean, you yeah. walk into some place and an arena or a stadium isn't set up right and there's a problem, Oh yeah, it makes the school look small-time like they don't know what they're doing. So. Yeah your we did a great your name job and faces out there. We did a great and head coaches. job at that. We,
13: yeah. we, I can say that cuz I have no I sat across from the bench in basketball cuz if the fa- if the if the scoreboard went out, I was the last guy to know what to do. And <laughs> but we I had so much confidence so I just said, "Hey, just do a great job and and we'll move on." So, uh, it, it, we had to do all, and that's part of the thing we did when we were uh, growing up to get in that league, is that we decide. you know, I got on a lot of committees, got to know people, and we said, every time a school comes in here, we want them to leave saying, man, that's just good at game management as i've ever seen sure you know yeah. and uh you can do that when the things we could do didn't take as much money as people think right you know and uh so so many things that add up it's it's just been a blast i was thinking of something else but i can't remember it right now so and i'm allowed to do that now <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to worry about what
0: i'm selling or what i'm doing or what happens you know i you know uh, all right, well, have fun on the trip to pasadena you got extended family and friends so and yeah. uh and you got a you got a guy on the job now, Mark Harlan, who's got to go all the meetings, and uh, you can just put on a shirt and tie and go to a dance and a gala while everybody's out having a good time. Yep, so
13: you can go you to know, the beach. But I, I I want to thank you guys for wanting to do this. Uh, it was enjoyable for me, and uh, all the way along the way, I want to thank all the people I work with, all the coaches, all that stuff, all the fans. Uh, you know, because that it was all the deal. Everybody, the bandwagon was small, and the bandwagon kept growing. And you can't grow.
0: You can't get on the bandwagon yourself and make him grow. All right. One more thing before I let you go. Sure. PK and I talk about this and then people tell we're nuts. I know, Yach, sorry. I'll just apologize in advance. We're going way late here. Um, but we talk about other pro teams coming to town. People would be very excited yeah. to get Major League Baseball here. Mm-hmm. Recently, there was talk about the NFL. I don't think it'll ever happen because I don't think anybody wants to pay mm-hmm. for the stadium, but right. whatever, if it did, whatever. How big an impact would that have on not just Utah, but all the college programs? Because I look at the Pac-12, you know, Denver and Phoenix and L.A. and the San Francisco Bay Area all have all four of the major sports. Some of them have multiple teams. Seattle has three of the four major sports. Would another pro team have a negative impact just because there's only so many people, there's so many season ticket holders, there's so much money? It's part of the magic of this place that it's bigger than Tucson, it's bigger than Pullman. It doesn't have all the proteins. Is that part of the magic of
13: absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that's part of the magic. And you go up to Ute game you say, I'll never forget, Lavelle Edwards said to me once, he said, I said, what was, what was your career? What did you feel most about He says, I made Saturdays important in Provo. Yeah. And Saturdays are important in Utah right now. And mm-hmm. everybody had a part of it. So I, I've if saying this a hundred times, but I don't want this to be about me. I was involved a lot and all that stuff, but it was a... Uh, so many people along the way, and I don't say that to be corny or anything. That's just the way it is. I can think of so many times where people lifted me up off the deck and said, Chris, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you better not yeah. do that or you'll get killed. So yeah. anyway, but it takes thanks a, to everybody. You know, it you takes gotta,
0: a lot of people to pull the rope and, and, and drag everything to the top of the hill. Yeah, it takes a lot of people yeah. pulling on the rope. Absolutely. Chris, we appreciate your time. Oh, thanks no. for coming in. Enjoy. Chris right. Hill, former Utah Athletic Director. More in a moment. Yach's going to play this commercial break, and he's going to stop glaring at me. Stop glaring at me, oh, Yach. That's, That's nice. next. I appreciate
1: it. With a blowout victory over San Diego State, Blake Anderson and the Aggies have brought an improbable Mountain West Conference Championship to Logan. Logan. Now the Aggies prepare for a showdown against Oregon State in the first ever LA Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Your home for the best coverage of Aggie football, Aggie football. as well as all the play by play action, is right here on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American standard furnaces and air conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Just add Dr. Chris Hill in, former Utah Athletic Director, and talk to him about a lot of stuff that happened with the Utes over the last 30 years as they climbed to the Rose Bowl. We did have some other things we hit earlier in the show. We had Mike Smith on, Jazz Studio analyst. The Jazz beat the Timberwolves, who are currently in the middle of the league. Maybe they'll end up at the bottom of the league. But, PK, we've been saying for a long time, the Jazz are talented. They're really good. And maybe not to 32 points because that's a pretty extraordinary blowout. But I do expect the Jazz to handle the middle of the league by 15 to 20 points. A lot. Not all the time because it's a grind and you don't always have all your guys. But they're, they're way better than the middle of the league. And I don't really have a problem with the flow of the game. You know, it was a one-point game at halftime. but We saw the statues do this night in and night out. You measure a team in the first half. Who, who are you missing? Who are they missing? Figure out some matchups. Maybe their coaches put some wrinkles in. But yeah. you've seen it all by halftime. It's textbook. Yeah. And then in the third quarter... Boom, drop the hammer. There's no room for flukes. There's no room for last-second calls or bad shots. And I, think they, I thought they took it to another level because I don't expect 32 yeah. blowouts. Yeah. But you were talking earlier about how when it's going right, it's so smooth and so easy. And they were playing so well there in a the stretch. They had one stretch where they went to the small lineup and it didn't go very well. Gobert was in foul trouble. And I think there was a timeout, and I don't even know if Quinn called or if it was just one that fell naturally in the game. But they came out of that, and they had all the problems fixed. <laughs> they just they just annihilated Minnesota. The ball's flying up court. Joe's throwing it to Clarkson in the corner. He's hitting a three. I mean, it was just... Yeah, it, it was, I, I want to say it was effortless, but obviously a lot of effort went in to getting to the point they're at. But man, they made it look easy for 18
10: minutes. They're awesome. just super.
0: Well, that's the problem, <laughs> is they were super last night, but they haven't been super all year. It's Good, I don't want them to be super now anyway.
10: Really? I want them to show... Consistent levels of good to great, but I don't want them to be playing their best ball now. So
0: are the Warriors and Suns in a, little a position of yeah. weakness because they've started off too I, good? It's almost like things can't go this well this long. Except we've seen the Warriors win seventy games. Yeah,
10: but the Warriors then <laughs> are not the Warriors now. They were they were leaps and bounds, whatever phrase you want, better than the league. Yes. So they did it, and and Jordan did it. Yeah. Okay, you got me. And back when uh, the Lakers and they won, those all those games, and they won sixty. So the, the Warriors they and Suns really are going to go four
0: and five, and the Jazz are going to catch them.
10: Uh, I don't know that they're going to catch them. Ultimately, it matters, you know, what the seating is at the final analysis, and I think it's going to be close because three games with fifty to go, which is more than fifty anyway, but uh, is nothing. I mean, uh, you know, in, injuries in the NBA are so. Crucial, and then you know this dumb buyout thing, which I think they need to do something with that. You know how does that play out, and yep. we're we're still two months away from that. Yep. Uh, so so many things can change between now and then, and and as I said, you know there's a good chance that the uh, the Jazz can acquire Damian Lillard for Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, and uh, as Thanks. a case. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for working the <laughs> trade machine for us. I did. I just put it in the salaries match. Uh, As long as you put in half of Ryan Smith's uh, (laughs) net worth, (laughs) so so many things. I just to me, this is like a horse race, and they're they're just barely making the first turn, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be twenty lengths back, but I don't need to be in first place. Now you put that warrior team back then; they were secretariat. You know what I mean? They're looking back. Is anybody so, back there?
0: Hello, hello. And hello. I agree. and they're not secretariat, but are they affirmed?
10: They might be. They might be, but it's too early. It was at the first turn was affirm, affirmed. So, I don't know. Maybe S- still left to go. And but I want the Jazz to be if they if they need a little finishing kick to finish first, I want to see them be if you're if you're eight games back, Fifteen twenty to play, you probably got no chance, you know. But if you're two, well, then then be, and then two, if you don't win that, and you finish two games back, that gives me a lot of confidence going into the regular se- or playoff because basically you've all. Everybody plays the same schedule. Now there's different uh, qualifiers within the schedule. You know, who was available, How when did you play them on the end of a trip, blah, blah, blah. So not everything is completely created equal. But none of that matters when the ball goes up game one anyway. So right now, I'm comfortable where they are. You know, they're we're grown, approaching the first turn, and it's not like they would need some phenomenal kick down the stretch. Uh, so so still a lot to go and the one thing I want you to watch for tonight see you we had uh, former athletic director Chris Hill in studio for an hour or so and you had to go downstairs to let him in we're on the fifth floor of the arena and uh, so you left so he wasn't standing outside in the snow and rain so you left right at the tail end of uh, Mike Smith's interview to go let him in and so I had to carry it and so he was asking me is there one thing you want me to bring up with a lemma and I said yes on tonight's show, I want you to get him to name the last name of that famous Hawaiian singer, Israel. Do you know who that guy is? He's just—he's deceased now, but he was like six hundred pounds. He had a big weight issue, but his voice was—his voice was heaven, unbelievable singer. And his last name is like Kame 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 Olu and I can't even come close. But a lemma can nail it. So I said, I want you to get him to say that last name, and. This is well, how to do. It? I say, hey, Mitchell comes out and his stroke is pure. His stroke has been very pure, right? Or Bogey, whoever it might be tonight. Yeah. And so I want you to say, and his stroke is so pure. It's like the voice, in basketball form, of that great Hawaiian singer. What's his name? And then Alema will say it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for plotting out the pregame show for him.
10: <laughs> and he'll, and he, say, he said he might say it in postgame. Okay. Not enough time at halftime. So either pre or post. And I said, okay, post I can watch tonight. Oh, totally. But when you guys are running past 10 o'clock, I got to get up. Yeah. So I tend to go to bed. Uh, you know, I, I watch usually post, I watch Quinn to see what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the game, I go to bed. Or if it's something that I really got to hear, I suck it up. And I listened to it. Yeah. So we don't know how the game's going to be tonight. But I said, there'll be no problem tonight. You're going to be done by 9 o'clock at the latest. And that's way early for me. Yawks, another story. Me, I'm, I'm up at 9, usually. Yeah, tip-off tip is at 5. Post I'm, game will fall I'm between
0: 730, 7.30 and 8. I'm not going to lie. As a guy, you guys know how early I get up. These yeah. games are my favorite. Oh, for sure. Yeah,
10: yeah. yeah.
0: I'm yeah. stunned texting with you how late you're up some nights. Uh, I well, couldn't do it. When you got kids under the age of five. I know. Uh, well, yeah, I know I'd I'm say, still sweetheart. <laughs> You're going to have to handle this. <laughs> she handles a lot. But
10: yeah. So he'll say the name of this guy, and the beautiful L.M.'s pronunciation is just so awesome. So look for that in the post game or pregame.
0: DJ and PK reminding you the fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended at Davis Vision through December. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. Bucks. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Your feedback next.
9: And it's all over almost here.
1: Don't go nowhere. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 Hotline. What are your
7: thoughts on a Utah- Ohio State matchup? A lot of people think Ohio State is going to not have a huge sense of urgency because, you know, it's playoff or bust for them, but I happen to think Ohio State's going to bring their A-game and it will be interesting. I mean, it's a different level of talent and athleticism than Utah's used to see, even compared to Oregon, right? I know Oregon won the head-to-head, but, you know, Ohio State's a way better team now than it was then. Utah will have to take a page out of Michigan's playbook and just try to count the ball, right? rising to 15, 20 times, they just run the ball as often as they can and see if that works. If it does work, I think Utah has a good chance to win. If Utah can't run the ball, then we're talking about big problems.
1: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL The
0: Warehouse, you know? Join Unrivaled Friday at the Warehouse from noon to 3. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Just like news that's going to come out of Provo here soon. Boom! (laughs) I like (laughs) it. No matter what the news is, it'll blow your (laughs) mind, right? I'm not telling you what it is. (laughs) I don't know what it is. (laughs) Do you even think it's been determined what it is? Is there something to know right now?
10: No, I think... It's all in... Kalani's certainly in the mix, but I think Wilcox at Cal, because Wilcox is a duck. His family are ducks. If it walks like a duck... If it quacks like a duck, it should coach like a duck. That makes sense, but I just wanted to say it. Get
0: your tails kicked by Utah. <laughs> yeah, but but Cal is in a. I mean, there's that, that. That's a totally different job. We were actually I asked you about this. We might on not well even be in the same conference. A couple days ago, yeah. about Oregon, Cal, UCLA, and BYU. Rank those jobs. Well, Oregon's one and Cal is four. And you can sit around and debate UCLA and BYU and what's BYU going to be when they're in the Big 12. But what's UCLA if USC gets it going with their new coach? And are all UCLA's advantages, if not all, a lot of them going away because kids don't necessarily want to stay at home. They know they can transfer back if it doesn't work out. All the games are on TV and you can FaceTime with fans. So... Football's like about 90th on everyone's priority <laughs> list in Berkeley. I've been there a thousand times. So 90th in Berkeley and yeah. 30th at UCLA? Uh, but they want it to be more. They talk a good game. Some they don't even talk do. a good game at Berkeley. No, they don't. No. No, It's when you're 60 years into this, you're, it's systemic. <laughs> there's, there's issues. Yeah. And part of it is the passion.
10: But I also think that, the, yeah, the passion is a big thing, which is why I think Utah sets apart from so many schools in the conference. Uh, but I think BYU has as much passion as Oregon. There's no doubt about it. They just don't have the cash. Kalani wants his football program funded. That's the ball. Bo- How many times do I have to freaking say it? I'm not going to tweet it out, so you're not going to get that on Twitter. You can go get it from somebody else, or put on Twitter some inside sources on you? Cougar Line. That's go ahead, fine. <laughs> but he wants his program funded. That's what he wants. He
0: wants yes. it funded at the level to play in and the Big Twelve. My gosh, that has been told to me. You freaking idiots. Chris Chris Hill was just in here talking about the the jump and jump of the Grand Canyon going into the Pac-12. And yes. Kalani knows about that. Nayrod knows does. about that. Of course and they Tom do. Tom Homo has Everybody in to Chris Homo knows about it. He knows about it. Tom so. Homo would fund it as much as he could. It's beyond him. Uh, we got the feedback here. Greg says, great interview with Chris Hill. He had a great run. Did you find out if he patched up things with Bobby? <laughs> we didn't ask about that.
10: Oh, <laughs> Through the wall Bobby in the game. Bobby right? That's
0: funny. The, uh Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, Chris Hill isn't perfect. Yeah, I know. And in retrospect, that was funny. I mean, at the time, it's a big deal, but now it's just funny. People get mad, it happens. Yeah, it, it, right in, as in the heat of the moment. It's during the post game? I know. Yeah. Uh, super Serial at Climate Changer says top of the Pac 12 in the middle of the whack are basically the same thing this year. <laughs> middle of the whack. The whack didn't play football. <laughs> uh, they're going to be back. <laughs> big true. whack, big sky rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray says, if the Warriors are affirmed this year, the Jazz are Alyssa. Hashtag forever runner-up. I think he means Aladar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alyssa? <laughs> Pretty sure you mean Aladar. What am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little off. It's affirmed in Aladar, classic horse race. He affirmed won the Triple Crown, and Aladar finished second in every race. The Warriors are affirmed, and the Jazz are well, Alyssa. I don't, I don't know that the Warriors are yet. They, they were well, that was because
10: I what brought up a firm they?
0: because you said Secretariat.
10: That's who they were then. They were awesome. Certainly the best
0: shooting team of all time. I don't know if they get, anybody can argue that puppy. Well, he got the best shooter, so that's a good good place to start yeah, from. Yeah,
10: and Clay Thompson might be the second best. Awesome.
0: And he's not back yet, but he will be. But he'll be back <laughs> because I saw him riding his bike on the Strand in Manhattan over the summer. Jared gets the last word. He says, I mean this in no disparaging way, but isn't it kind of interesting how Utah owes Texas and Oklahoma a big thank you for saying no to the Pac-10, while BYU owes Texas and Oklahoma a big thank you for saying yes to the SEC. Yeah, we dis- We've discussed, we discussed that. that at the time. We're 100% on board with that, Jared. We knew that was, just, and, and who cares? It's where you, it's just where you are in the pecking order. I hope and, it's not <clears> a mock either way. It doesn't well, matter. He, he said, I mean this in no disparaging way, okay, so good. I'll take him at face value. Well, that, that's the truth. Yeah, and I was it, told, I was told that
10: 12 years ago. Utah's going once these two if they say no. I knew about it weeks ahead of time because they said no. Then I knew Utah was in.
0: And or uh the same thing happened here for BYU and they're in. DJ and PK we're out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.